Welcome to Bikes, Bikes, Bikes. It's a podcast, and we're talking about bikes. On the pod today, Grouchin Houchin, Alexandra Houchin. Uh, what a treat amazing hardcore bike packer has always done things the hard way and we definitely get into that um this is not an apology but there is another bathroom break and it's not edited out so i encourage you to use that time to relieve yourself because these are not short episodes but it's really fun to kind of get through her whole resume and we get into the weeds about arizona trail and everything like that so enjoy alexander houchin Hello? Hey. <laughs> How you doing? I had a super enthusiastic hello before, but you must have, it must have like disconnected, right? <laughs> when I said anything. So now it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to waste it again on nothing. So yellow. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll take that. Okay. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh... It appears as though I am right on the verge of having a cold. Ooh, that's a it's a weird time to have a cold. Uh, it sucks. I just did a. I was just traveling a bunch, so now I'm like got an itchy throat and. Yep. Yep. I'm a little whinier than usual. <laughs> I uh, I'm actually <laughs> in the same in the same bed right now. I have. I I have a slight headache that didn't go away overnight, and I'm thinking, uh oh. So, yucky. Yeah, that's where I am, and it sounds like I've been smoking a lot of cigarettes, but I in fact have not been smoking a lot of cigarettes. Proud of you. Good on you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I just like got broken this summer. I used to smoke all the time, and then I got a little too many margaritas in. Smoked a cigarette and then peeps for two days straight. That was the summer? Yeah, Justin's. Like, me, Justin, and Ben were, like, having a Super Mario Mortal Kombat night. And, you know, the margaritas fly in moments like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I drank way too many. And then I was like, thought that I could party like I used to. But instead, it just gave me the spins, and then I had a really bad hangover for like a day and a half. When uh, Justin Dubois and Ben Hanus, where, when's the last time you saw those guys? Are they down in down south here, or are they back up? It, yeah, no, it was uh, last time I saw them was in uh, at the Stronghold. Okay, but I think they're both respectively back at their houses. Well, both at their respective houses. <laughs> Tell me, um, tell me what you've been up to because it seems like you've been on the go. You have, you were down in the Southwest. You're in Austin for a minute. You're back in Minnesota, Utah, back in Minnesota now again. Yeah. Are you recording yet? Or I, I can be. You, what sure. are we doing? Yeah. No, I'm like I just want to know. Just tell me what's happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm recording. Told I'm you, recording. I might told you I'm whinier than usual. 
I'm also coming to you from my camper, so I can't control the uh, external noises that oh, are going to happen. That's perfect. Okay. Is your camper uh, a white Ford pickup or a beat-ass uh, Honda Element? We have upgraded to a white Ford F-150. Whoa. Shell. Hard flex. Yeah, I know. It's uh, two-wheel drive real nice <laughs> where's the park where are you right now uh i'm back up on the reservation on my reservation uh my best homie up here is letting us live in her squat in her yard okay so that's cloquet or outside or where, where are you? yeah it's out yeah it's out it's cloquet her, her mailing address is cloquet but it's like uh rural cloquet okay and you're with jolly yeah yep Okay. How's he he's how's he taken squeeze. to the rest? He's he's fit in real good. I bet. I bet he would fit okay, in. Okay, but to be to be honest though, we really haven't even spent that much time here. Um I was traveling all last week and then we got here like three days before I left, so Right on. We really we really haven't gotten around too much. But he was here. I brought him here this winter and that's when he like met my family and my friends and stuff. Earlier. Can you can you tell me just a little bit more about Jolly? You guys met on the Arizona Trail. That is like the cutest meet ever. It's pretty much the sweetest love story of all time. Um, <laughs> well, so um, I call him Johnny. Um, so year years ago, Mewinja was like what my Indians say. Like mm-hmm. when we tell a story a long time ago, it's like Mewinja. Um, <clears throat> In 2018, when I was racing the Divide for my first time, okay, um, I was leading the women's race, and him and his partner at the time came out to ride like 20 miles with me or something. Um, they, as just as fans, just as straight up fans, or like what? Uh... Yeah, they just wanted to ride with the first place woman. It was more Carrie wanted to ride with me because um, she had toured the Divide, I think, the year before or something. Okay. So she just wanted to come out and like meet the first place woman and asked if they could ride with me for a little bit. And I said, sure. And we just like talked and they rode with me. Um, and then they peeled, I was like, okay, well I'm going to keep going. And they peeled off and did their own thing. Um, so that was the first time I met him, but like, I really didn't talk to him that much. I mostly just talked to Carrie. Where was and, that? Where, um, were they? Where were you? That was at, um, I was in New Mexico. I can't, I can't remember the name. It starts with an H. Oh, because they it's were out like of Taos. This... They would have come out of Taos, so they would have met you, like, yeah. Orca or... It was like, no, it was, um, uh, I can't remember. It was, like, right before, I was, I ended up camping at, um. Hopewell Lake. Yeah, Hopewell Lake. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tough they met on me H. at Hopewell Lake. Yeah, good, good. You like just say all my New Mexico stuff. <laughs> um, they ended up meeting me at Hopewell Lake, and then I ended up riding on to Abiquiu. But I didn't really remember Johnny at all. I mean, I knew that there was a guy, and I remember he was tall and he was very jolly. Um, but that was it. I didn't really talk to him that much. Okay. And then the and then the next year, 
I was racing in the Colorado trail race and I'm <clears throat> on the pavement outside of Leadville heading up towards Tennessee pass. And I see this guy pedaling towards me and I just thought, like, I thought it was some, you know, old dude out for his Sunday ride or something. <laughs> um, and I just didn't like, I didn't pay any attention to it. And then he's like, Hey, you're going the wrong way. And I was like, huh? Um, and it turns out it's Johnny, and I'm like, I am not going the wrong way. I just came from Leadville. Was he messing with you? Was he messing with you or what? No, he was like so broken and sleep deprived that he had been going the wrong way. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Oh, it was so funny. I was just like, nope. He's like, hey, I know you. You're going the wrong way. And I was like, (laughs) oh, I remember you. Um, and he like, turns around and like sprints away from me um and then i catch up to him in like half an hour and he's just like broken and turns out like i took his picture i guess by like kokomo okay um summit signs and uh he ended up quitting shortly after that um but then you know so i saw him there and then at the azt this year I had pedaled to the start with uh, Andrew Shrumpke and um, and (laughs) I missed the turn. So Andrew got to the uh, border before I did and I had to turn around and re-summit the summit or I didn't go all the way to the summit, but I had to turn around and come all the way back up and then I got to the trail start and Johnny was there talking to Andrew and Tim McCabe was there and a bunch of people were there. Um, Aaron Denberg, nice guy. Okay. Um, and they were all there and I was like, Hey, I know you. And I think, I, can't, I think the first thing I said to him was like, dude, your eyes are insane. Cause he has these like piercingly blue eyes and like really dark skin. He's like so tan. Yeah. So tan. I don't know how he is so tan. So I was like, your eyes are insane. And then we kind of just, like, t- talked a little bit at the start, but I really didn't think anything of it at all. I was just like, oh, I know this guy from ultra racing. You know, like, I know lots of guys from ultra racing. Right. Can I just say right now, at this point yeah. in time, I am not – I love I love Johnny. I really do. I'm not in love with him. Yeah. Because he, he said he, <laughs> he brought his girlfriend out to the race and didn't say much. And, and then you see him and he's totally cracked and tells you something that's wrong. And then yeah. and now we're at the start of the AZT and you're having another like uh, ho-hum encounter with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like exactly where I'm like, wasn't really impressed or anything. I just didn't, <laughs> he was just another dude that I ultra race with. Um, and I, and I was like pretty numbed and broken too. Cause I'd been, not fresh, but I was having a really hard time getting out of my last relationship. Um, the last relationship like dangled a lot longer through the pandemic than I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really, plus like, you know, all the ultras, they're all my dudes, you know, they're like my brothers and dudes. And I just like really never, ever even dreamt thought of finding love in ultra race. Like, not even remotely an idea in my head. I was like, I keep bikes and boys completely separate. Fair. Actually. Yeah. Um, 
So we camp, we start, and I had a pretty bad ankle sprain um, that I was trying to pretend wasn't as bad as it was. Oh, that that came from um, climbing in Cochise with Justin or something? Yeah, I fell climbing. It was like the third time I ever went climbing, too, and sprained my ankle really bad. And st- it still isn't right. But um, So this, this is your 2018... AZT 750 attempt? That's what's going on right now? No. Now we're at 2021 AZT attempt. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. It's so hard. It's like <laughs> 2018 Tour Divide, 2019 Colorado Trail Race, 2021. Oh, I forgot about 2020. I did an ITT of the Colorado Trail. And I was, like, in the hotel room two doors away from Johnny. And I didn't know he was going to start. And he didn't know it was me because I was racing under an alias. Um, but now we look back and we're like, we're sleeping in a room right next to each other. <laughs> um, and then, so he did it that same rainy, wet year, too. Um, and he got a 602 finish, and I had a 601 finish. So. That's sweet. Dang. I love that. Uh don't let him forget about that. No, <laughs> well, I don't let him. <laughs> uh, so I was slower. I was just like broken a little bit for this AZT this year um, when we had camped next to each other at the start. And I didn't see him the first day. But then the second day, um, I had, I woke up early. I slept like three hours. I woke up early. <clears throat> And then I come around a corner and I see him just like pop up as soon as my light goes. And I'm like, time to get up, time to ride bikes or something like that. So he pops up and then he ends up catching up to me. Um, maybe like a half an hour later or something. And it's still dark. And you're down, you're and down south. You're down in the, uh, what is it? Coach Dopa? We're like, no, we're, we are. So, first night of the Arizona Trail, he can't. I don't really know where he can. Canelo, yeah. Like, we made it through the Canelos. um, And we were like. I think we rode all of the Santa Rita's together. Okay. Um, Or somewhere in the Santa Rita's, he caught up to me. And he. I, I was like, oh, you can pass me. And. I let him pass me a little bit, but we pretty much ride the same speed. You know, we've ridden, we rid the, uh, uh, we were on the Colorado trail together and we just, you know, are kind of like the same speed. He's single speeding. So he's all on one speed. Yeah. He's also on one speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we like yo-yo back and forth a little bit, but we're not that far away from each other. And, uh, and he's like, Hey, do you mind if I ride with you for a little bit? And I was like, Oh, no, dude, there's plenty of time. It's an 800 mile race. I'm like, there's plenty of time to ride alone. Let's just, you know, do your thing. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> little did I know that's how he would trap me. <laughs> um, he is such a sweet man. You know? I like that. It's funny to think about him being at all predatory, you know. <laughs> I know. He's so sweet. He is absolutely not predatory, but I love to joke about how yeah, totally. manipulative and predatory he has been. <laughs> I'm like, this is all very calculated, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> how, how you swooped in and got me. 
but he's like, you know, let me ride with you for a little, or like, let's ride together for a little bit or can you ride together? Sure. Yeah, whatever. It's long race. You know, I've already beat you before. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, uh, oh, and then we're like crossing the bridge, um, like over La Cienega over there. Um, I think that's what it's called. Or I don't know. We're crossing the bridge after the Santa Rita's as we climb uh, over to like Colossal Cave and shit. Yep. Okay. And like, I, you know, you're starting to feel tired by then. And I'm like, I look over at him and we're kind of riding next to each other for a little bit. And I'm like, dude, we've ridden our bikes together in some really beautiful places. Cause like, he's mostly a stranger to me. The only way I know him is through happenstance of meeting each other on the tour divide on the Colorado trail. And now on the Arizona trail, I'm like, this is weird. Right. And nothing happens. So I like try to, I end up trying to like sprint through Colossal Cave. I was like riding everything. I was like, I'm going to lose him. And he's just like right there on my ass the whole time. And he's geared 3218, which I was like, this dummy is going to kill himself. <laughs> this dummy? What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I was like, don't you care about your knees? Like, 3218 is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. But he is just like slow pedaling. I don't know. He was just always there. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and. We just, I don't know, like magic happened, you know, like the ultra racing magic. And we ended up <clears throat> finishing the 300 together. And then we rode into Queen Creek. Um, and this, he ran out of food. He was just like, I was like, is this your first ultra, dude? What is happening? I was so embarrassed for him. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and then we get to Queen Creek and I was like, okay, well I'm going to go on. And he, he needed to fix his bike. Something, uh, was jacked in his hub, his rear hub. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, you have to get your bike fixed. It was just sounding so bad. He's like, I don't know. I can maybe push. I'm like, dude, there's 500 miles of Arizona trail. Like you have to get it fixed. He's like, you're right. So he ends up like we end up separating and I'm like riding my own ride and he's doing his thing. Cause he has to get his bike fixed. And <clears throat> I was like, I missed him. I was like, what the fuck? I missed him. And then I started like mourning my last relationship and crying. And I was like, I never like, I don't think I can ever love somebody ever again. And, mm. and I'm going through all this internal stuff myself. And I was like, I think I have a crush on this guy, but I'm like, no, it's probably just like, he's just by being nice. Cause, that's how dudes are in ultra racing. Um, so I was like trying not to think about it too much. Um, and then I tried to take a nap in the heat and it didn't work. And then I ended up running into him again at the Basha's um, in Apache Junction. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> and I remember I totally spilled the chocolate milk all over myself on accident. He's like, dude, you should sleep. And I'm like, no. I'm going to try. I'm going to keep trying. 
I want, I was like, I want Chase to know I'm trying really hard. Oh, man. Um, and he's like, okay. Well, he ended up getting a hotel and Apache Junction or I think that's the town right mm-hmm. over there. Um, I think that's ba- Apache Junction's like in the town is in from that bashes or whatever. But yeah, I know. Yeah, you're... yeah. He pedaled off course. And okay. I, I had broke my cell phone on like the very, on the climb up Reddington. It just stopped working. Um, I don't even know what happened. I didn't drop it. I didn't break it. Um, but it just stopped working. So, um, or not, that's I classic. That's I classic I Alexandra. She would go, Oh, it's just harder for me somehow again. Yeah. No, yep. I'm like, Oh, cool. Now I don't have a phone. So I didn't have my music. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, my boots I, have steel toes in them. Oops. Shoot. <laughs> hey, you know, they came in handy a couple times. <laughs> Kicking bitches out of the way. I was just going to say to like kick a cat <laughs> hole or something. Or what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so. Uh, he gets a hotel room. Oh, yeah. And you're He like, gets a hotel room. I got to go. But, I got sour chocolate milk on my shirt. I'm not even. Yeah. I'm in the I'm in the zone. Yeah, I have sour chocolate milk. I have a bum ankle. I don't have a phone, and I have 500 miles of like lonely trail ahead of me. Cool. And like last minute at the intersection, I was just like pity partying really hard too because I was like, oh, I suck, and why did I let myself get hurt? And I'm never going to be in love, and yada yada yada. Uh-huh. So I decide I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to win this race anymore, and I might as well have fun. So I bike into town and like go to the, I thought there was a cricket wireless cause I had used Johnny's phone to see if there was a cricket wireless and turns out the cricket wireless had moved. And then I found a Walgreens and they didn't have cell phones. And then they found a CVS and they had like burner phones. <clears throat> so Sweet. I bought a burner phone for like 50 bucks or 20 bucks or something. Yep. And I was like, sick. I'm like, okay, I can, download Spotify and do all these things. And I'm like, I have a while that I'm by internet like, or by a city. So I'll have cell phone service, yada, yada. I bike back to the course. And then I realize that I need Wi-Fi to connect my phone. So I have to bike back to the fucking city. Oh, go to the Taco Bell, get Wi-Fi, ac- activate my phone. And then, um, I was like, okay, well, everything yeah, you're, you're a little ways off pace at this time. <laughs> Yeah, I like, you know, I bike like at least an hour and a half back and forth between these fucking cities in the race course. <laughs> okay. I was stupid. I thought, you know, I thought it was a great idea. Um, and I finally got Spotify, downloaded music, and I was like killing it. And then I got back to the course and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep. And I slept like eight or 10 hours or something. And. Like a cat Meanwhile, like a daytime? No, it was nighttime by the time that I got back to the trail. All right, okay, okay. Um, and meanwhile, Johnny's like doing his shit, getting his wheel fixed and Patchy Junction, or he ended up having to go to Mesa, I think. Right, okay. And I don't know. It, he did that whole thing, but we had collided, well, not physically, but we had ran into each other again right before I was or right when I decided to get um, a cell phone. And so we kind of rode into town together too. And then we separated and I was like, 
you should come catch me. Uh, uh-huh. you should come catch me. And, uh, we parted ways and he, I was like, I looked at the tracker a couple of times and sometimes his dot wasn't moving. Sometimes it was. And then I got out of service and climbed the four peaks. Um, and then I ran out of water so bad, <laughs> so bad. Justin fucking sandbagged me because he was just like, there's so much water in Four Peaks, but it had since burned and it was fall and there was no water. There was no water until I made it down the other side. That is some classic um, Justin advice. He would be, oh, it's, dude, don't even worry about it. It's, yeah. It's like great. It's easy. Mm, yeah. Sandbagging <laughs> motherfucker. So uh, I'm like dying somebody ends up giving me like these tiny little bottles of water. And I'm like, Oh, if I ran out of water, Johnny's probably out of water. (laughs) So I like, I left, like I left a little bottle of water and Tic Tacs on this like post. And the thing about the Tic Tacs is like Johnny ran out of food earlier and I'm like giving him one Tic Tac every like 20 minutes. (laughs) I was like, so maybe you can have a little sugar and you're not going to die. But I was just, like rationing him out some Tic Tacs. <laughs> and a tiny bottle of water. That's so sweet of <laughs> you. Like, so you. You just knew he was behind was like, you. So you like sacrificed a tiny I, bottle of water for him. I hoped he was behind me. I, I didn't know. But there was also like Zach was behind me. I was like, well, somebody, sure. you know, somebody else will find this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I left I left it there for him and the Tic Tacs and carried on. And then I finally found Sycamore Creek and I'm like taking a bath in Sycamore Creek, like naked. And I'm like, man, what if somebody sees me? I'm like, anybody back here doesn't give a fuck if I'm naked. So I'm just like splashing around in the water, cooling off. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden this like tumbling, this dude like dragging his bike tumbles into the, I see him and I'm like, Oh, there he is. That's Johnny. I'm like, hey, I'm naked over here. Um, <laughs> let me put some clothes on. Um, and pretty much from there on, we ride the rest of the ride together. You know, he was, he had this big mishap with his wheel and I couldn't walk really at all. Uh, my ankle just got so bad. Um, I was like a fucking zombie, like side dragging it. It was such a joke. Uh, and then we rode most of the ride together and had fun. And we started flirting and um, it really became a date instead. And I was like, well, I don't want anybody to get this false idea that I'm racing. So we were sleeping like 12 hours a night and we went to restaurants and we went off course. We went into Mormon Lake and to Tucson and got hotels and we shared the hotels with uh, Zach who also ended up racing a bunch with us. And it kind of turned into just like a family, a family tour. Like Johnny and I were falling in love and Zach was taking photos and we all did the canyon together. <laughs> this it was is just so like, adorable. This is so adorable. It was so incredible. We had a first kiss like Oh my goodness. On the race course and I was like, Someday I'll be what did I say to him? I was like, Someday I won't be so shy and I'll kiss you. 
And then he totally kissed me, and it was so cute. Where was that? Where was it? <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm just telling you. I don't exactly. I think it was outside of Flagstaff, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Just like the first night we camped outside of Flagstaff. This is, this. can I just say that this this is so amazing because, you know, everyone knows you as just hard as nails and just like yeah doesn't give a fuck and now we get just this soft family trip down the azt <laughs> and you're having a first kiss oh it's so amazing i love it i really like it because johnny is such an amazing person so it's really he is like he is yeah. really the most incredible partner like yeah. i love him so so much I, i'm like still not tired of him and we hang out every single day together <laughs> He just got a good vibe. And you know? it, he, he's just very, it's, yeah. Easy going doesn't even, you know, start to describe it. He's really like, he has a good way about him for sure. Yeah. And he's like goof. He's really goofy. Yeah. He's yeah. very no, you, funny. You two together is just like a goof wheel. <laughs> you guys are just. Well, <laughs> dude, that time you walked over to us and we're like, smart, like, not joking. He's like 220. I'm like 200 pounds and he's tall and I'm tall. And we're like smashed into the back of my element. <laughs> that, that's exactly there. what came to my mind is your, your <laughs> and his feet hanging out the back window of your element. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, good man. time. And I'm like, oh, I have a queen size bed over here. You're like, no, no, no. We like the Honda. <laughs> <laughs> We are ride or die Honda Element. <laughs> well, I moved into I moved into his truck, so. Oh, that's good. Cool. It was a hard hard decision to leave it behind, but yeah, but a pretty sweet romantic love story. Oh my! Can't goodness. believe it happened to me. Wow, what a treat! Thank you for sharing it. Um, you mentioned a few times uh, just different things on the AZT, uh, Four Peaks, yeah. um, etc. Can you tell me? what all has changed from the old 750 to the new one and then tell me about uh the transition time because i know there is a year or two where the hard people were riding four peaks and everyone else wasn't and now you guys are all proposing to like ride up lemon and all this other stuff so tell me about the old route versus what's going on now with the route and what happened in between yeah so the first time i ever did I didn't ever finish the whole 750 either. Uh, I stopped at Flags after year. I did most of it. Um, that was that was 2020. Wait, 20. No, that was 2018. Was the first year I toured it, and I 2018 was a tour divide and AZT for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, so in 2018, I was doing this thing called eight races in my 28th year of life because I was heartbroken and I was trying to find myself. So. I had set out to do these eight races and my first race was a marathon. And then the second race was a running ma marathon, a, mar a running marathon. Of um, course you would do a running marathon. That's ridiculous. Oh, dude, it was epic. It was really terrible. Actually, it was the whiskey row marathon in Prescott. And mind you, I had been living in Duluth area, like up in Cloquet, Minnesota by Duluth. Um, training for my marathon in the winter of Minnesota. Just like riding the shoulder of the, the running the shoulder of the highway, or what? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like rural back here, so it's just a lot of county roads and not really much traffic, but lots of snow. Tall trees. You can't see very far. Big trees. Yeah. Big, big trees. Yeah. Um, we have bears and birds and berries. Oh, not in the winter, though. Bears and birds. Um, <laughs> bears are, I guess, they're sleeping in the winter, too. I don't know. So, yeah, training for that marathon, and it was like May 10th or something. I can't remember. Early May. Um, so I had driven out to Arizona to do that marathon, and then I decided uh, <laughs> that I was going to do the AZT after that. Wait, okay. In May. Uh, and it was the hottest thing I had ever done in my entire life because it was late May and I was starting to ride the AZT. Can I, how'd the marathon um, go? How'd your Prescott marathon oh, go? The mar- I finished. Uh, it was like 3,000 feet of elevation gain wow. and uh, it took me five and a half hours. That's that's um, solid. That's hustling. Yeah, I I was pretty proud of it. Um, yeah. But I died. I couldn't walk for like a week afterwards. Oof. Um, but yeah, I finished. I crossed the finish line. I ran it with this guy. Um, actually, my friend Peter Davidson was the, my inspiration for it. Okay. Or not inspiration. He was my invitation, rather. Um, he worked with me at Whole Foods, and he was like the craziest runner I'd ever met. And he also had a Krampus, and we went on bike rides together. And he's really cool. Whole Foods. He's like, you should come do the Whole Foods Tucson. I had lived in Tucson. Oh man, my life is. That's all right. All yeah, over the place. Right. We'll we'll, uh, we'll hang with it. I'm still on eight of twenty eight, and we're we're at uh, number yes. two. Yeah, AZT we're... here. Okay. Yeah, eight of twenty eight. Peter Davidson, um, I had been living in Tucson for a few years. Peter Davidson invited me to go run this marathon. He ended up winning the marathon Mm -hmm. at like three hours. Um, And and I ended up being almost the last person to finish. There's like maybe 10 people behind me. It's not Um, the one where everyone races horses, is it? No, it's like, they say it's like, Apparently, I didn't know this at the time, but it's like the hardest road marathon in the U.S. It's just like it's on a dirt road. You climb up some pass. The first 13 miles, you climb, I don't know, two or 3,000 feet. And then you just turn around and come right back. Yo, that sounds hard. So it was really hard. And it was hot. And it was at altitude. You know, it's like five to 8,000 feet. Yeah, and you're down at four training, huh? 400 feet training. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's flat. I'm at sea level out here. Um, so that was really, really hard. But I finished, and I felt good, and I really took my training seriously. It was the first time I ever really trained for anything like that. Like, I followed a training plan and did it. So that felt really good. And then I was doing AZT with my second race, and... <laughs> I had like all these romantic ideas of going fast and really pushing it. Um, and it took me six and a half days to get to picket post, which is the first 300 miles. Wow. That and, is a, yeah. That's a change of plan. Something happened in between. Yeah. I mean, it was hot. I like, couldn't go. I was carrying 10 liters of water on me. Yo. It was just slow and heavy. I saw, I saw a lot of Gila monsters actually. Oh, um, jealous. So jealous. I think I saw like four. I can't like, 
the most Gila monsters I'd ever seen. To anyone who doesn't know, Gila monster, uh, it's just it's a lizard. It's a cool looking lizard. They they get a little larger, and they live mostly down in the Sonoran Desert. And you can find them in the Gila, but not generally. Yeah, and they're like black and orange. And are is this true or not that they are related to Komodo dragons or? like miniature kimono dragons i'd buy that i'd buy that but i I have no idea. i don't know we can just we can just officially decide that yeah no that's a good factoid for sure we'll just we'll just leave it in there we'll go with it yeah so Um, six days on the 300 i mean that's like yeah that's that's uh that's some struggle for sure you know what i have to say is for someone that wants to go out and crush some records and you know really compete and if you're at six days at the 300, but you're still in it, that's classic Alexandra. That is really, you know, because so many people have, I want to race, I want to set a record, I want to be out there, I want to compete. And as soon as you fall off the pace, you quit because yeah. you know you're not going to do what you set out to do, which is set a record or put a big time in or whatever it is. And uh, I just see it so much that people fall off the pace and then they think, I'm I'm at restart. I I can't. I'm not. I'm not even going to keep going on this. And I think it's a testament to your, you know, your fortitude and all this. Like six days, three hundred. Here I, you know, going along. <laughs> Give me another ten <laughs> liters. Let's go. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. And that was like really early on in my ultra racing career too. Um, oh wait, I think actually that AZT might have been my third. I did smoke and fire uh, in Idaho on my birthday in the fall. So before winter, that was my first one. Smoke and, and fire. That also okay. Was, yeah. Smoke and fire. It's a bike packing race in Idaho. Uh, Idaho. Um, and that was the very first one I signed up for. And how, and how far is that one? It was like 420 miles. Okay. Um, Ooh, 420. Um, is that a Rebecca Rush <laughs> thing or what is, uh, what is, some no, um, God, I have such a cool story about that race too. Um, but I want to finish my AZT. All right, let's story. do the but, AZT but, and then I'll get, I'll, I'll get us back on track. I'm, I got, I'm keeping track over here. Okay, cool. Um, so AZT six days, six and a half days at picket post. Uh, so it's 50 miles a day and, there was a lot of like hot afternoons hiding out under trees. It's or... hard. It's hard down oh. there for sure. A lot of people crack. It is, and myself that... included. I have and... cracked down there for sure. It's easy. The Canelos are super hard. It's easy to crack that year. That was when the old race course. It still went to Patagonia. Yep. Um, it no longer goes through Patagonia. But um, also since then they had done a bunch of machine building in the canelos like so the trails were way more friendly and flowy oh not okay. like the chunky stuff um, it's just too that steep and all the times that i've ridden the uh, canelos they've been it's just too steep you, it, they roll and roll and roll and every single roller is yeah. just like slightly out of reach or you can blow your brains out trying to get up them you know i'm sure that's what you do you like clean the whole thing or something but Absolutely not. I am a hiker biker quite a bit, especially <laughs> since riding single speed with ten liters. Um, like the tops of them, the last half an hour is just a walk up and then super loose uh, on the way down. And then the new route, like, is single track all the way to Sonoida or what? I've never, I haven't ridden it in a minute, so I don't know. No. So 
um, so now it, you have some machine built trails through the Canelos and then it's this more trail now that skips Patagonia and then you get out onto the Sonoida highway and then, um, the race still officially this or the ITTs and stuff this, this year still went along the highway up to hog Canyon road. And then you climb Hog Canyon Road. It's like six miles on the highway still. Okay. Um, but before it was Patagonia Sonoida the whole way, which was like yeah, miles on the road or something? 25? I don't know. It was a long time on the road. And it's like barely slightly uphill. Yep. Yep. I recall. Yep. So it's terrible. Um, and then that that old one used to go then to the Santa, what, Santa Rita Road. Um, and you'd pedal this dirt road into the Santa Rita's. But now uh, the race the f- this spring and last fall was like a six-mile section, and then you'd take this dirt road called Hog Canyon up into um, to where you'd like catch up with like the roads back in Kentucky camp and stuff like that. Okay, yep, yep. Um, so did you skip Sonoida as well? Yeah, you don't also skip Sonoida. Well, so there's no resupply mm-hmm. until Tucson or what? Yeah, I mean, no resupply on course until Summerhaven. Oh, no, there's Rock and K. There's Rock and K okay. um, on Old Spanish Trail. Okay, okay. Um, but if you're, like, going fast, you're not going to hit that, either of those two things during open hours. Wow. That's challenging. So, Damn, that's a whole nother... Oof. Dude, I carried all... I planned on carrying all my food to queen creek dude that's yeah that's mexico to like phoenix four. yes yeah. so it was like four days worth of food yeah with ass kicker um, like with the hardest of the hard azt down there i mean it's that's brutal yeah okay okay it is so okay so all that changed no resupply anymore um and then I think I remember most of the trail being the same after Picket Post to Queens Creek and then Queens Creek through like Jacob's Crosscut and then all that stuff. And then you hop out onto like over by the Salt River and then you climb four peaks. Um, but that's now. Before it used to, you used to take this hi- the highway all the way to Jake's Corner. Um, and you ride the Apache road up the salt river and it's just pretty easy. I mean, relatively easy climbing, riding. So that's that big, the big, nice gravel road that goes up to Roosevelt reservoir. And then you take a left on the yeah. pavement. And so the four peaks yep. is going, what is that just to the West of the road? Is that towards on the Phoenix side of the road? And then you are climbing and in the, like go up from there. Is that, is that four peaks then? Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of see, like, when you're even driving in a car or on the road, you can see the four peaks. Like, you see four peaks. Even my cousin, who doesn't really do anything outside, is like, oh, there's four peaks over there. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. You know those, too. <laughs> um, and that just, so that's now a pretty the... obvious addition because that's, you're going around the superstition wilderness. So there is no AZT at that point. And then some people who knew were like, why are we riding road? There's single track right above us. Is that, that's, that's the deal. Yeah, that is the deal. And it's like a more remote road, at least from what I recall 
riding up the Apache Road up along Salt River up to the um, dam. Mm-hmm. I it was so there's so much traffic. I in fact waited until not rush hours so that I wouldn't have to deal with as many cars. And it's a it's a pretty thin road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a lot of cars on the road too. Yeah, yeah, and the four piece road. I mean there. Granted, there were definitely some like razors and four by fours and stuff, but I mostly didn't. There was everybody was pretty nice. So and, four piece is generally um, a, a two track or a road of some sort. It's a dirt road. Four peaks is a, like going up to get to the top of four peaks is a dirt road. Okay. Um, and then at, once you get to the top there, you have to hop back on the AZT to Sunflower, which is like it's unrideable. Once you get to the trail, it's unrideable. Like you can't even, there's just rocks hidden in the grass and you just, you're walking downhill. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's really infuriating, uh, actually. But, you know, now looking back, I liked it more, yada, yada. But very slow, very, very slow. Um, so then you descend from Four Peaks a bit. There's a creek back there that I think flows all year. Um and then you have to climb again. <laughs> you do a huge climb um, one more time. And I just, the whole entire time I was doing that four peaks this year, I was just like, I cannot believe that Justin still won. Uh, what year is that? 2019. I can't believe he still won in 2019. And him and Ben Hanus were the only two people that took the four peaks option. He was in first place going into that, and then it took me two days to bike through that. He still won, even though everybody else took the short shortcut. Yeah, that's which a is huge. To me. That that makes the two efforts almost on different levels. You know, I mean, adding that four peaks is a that's huge. I don't know what, what do you what's your comment on the difference in times for exiting the Canelo Hills now, like compared to older times looking at times now how much time added is the canelo hills extras all the stuff down south oh oh like everything up until the 300 or just the canelo just the well i just i just know that there's been a lot of rework from the old 750 to this new 850 or whatever it is and oh uh, yeah yeah i know the four peaks well, is a bulk of the extra time that it takes but uh, how much more down south are we talking? Like, is it a half day extra or is it like a few hours harder? Or what, what would you say? Oh, I think really all the extra stuff comes in from the, um, at the start now, there's a, the Sycamore Creek lollipop, I guess. If you're doing the 300, you have to like go and do this lollipop. Um, so it's like, mm, maybe an hour extra there. And if you're um, starting from the border, it's maybe an hour and a half extra. Okay, both of you do this lollipop, the, the the 750 and the 300 or 850 or whatever. Everyone yeah, does yeah, this yeah. new lollipop. They both, okay. You both do this like you're going on the road and then you take a right and then you ride up this dirt road and then you do the single track and it's like seven or ten miles or something. Um, and I hate it. But whatever. Um, I think it's stupid. And I've already expressed this to John Schilling and he respectfully um, accepts my criticism and then, you know, does his thing because he's motherfucking John Schilling. Um, I'm like, John, I hate this. He's like, well, 
then don't write it. <laughs> but you don't, I'm going to write a note on it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever, I'll still do it. Um, um, and so that maybe adds like an hour. But the Canelos themselves, I think, are a little faster. Okay. Even um, with the extra with single the groom- check before Sonoida, et cetera, it's, it's a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I think it's just, I may, or maybe it's the same, but I don't okay. really notice anything too significant about the Canelos. There's okay. some more machine built stuff. So some of it's a little bit more flowy. And then really, it was just like, I think that's right. Is that a lot of Rob Bauer? Maybe you don't know that name, but I think Rob Bauer is, uh, he's a big coaster break guy. That, and I think he built uh, a lot of that. I remember seeing him in that the, very well may be true. Okay. Big, I'm um, big, big Rob Bauer fan. So I was like, Oh yeah, Rob Bauer built. All, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's like, it's really fast and fun. It's like, crazy. you have fun in the Canelos. Nice. <laughs> like what that never used to happen but okay so you got maybe an extra hour down there or about there's nothing significantly bigger but now you add these four peaks and that is between 12 and 48 hours longer than the original route is that something yeah okay so the four peaks is a huge addition it is huge it's a it's a couple monster climbs and then no resupply and very little water, very little. How are you? Very little anything. 2018 is where we're talking. How are you doing on supplies at this point? Because, well, you already stopped in, in Apache Junction, so you're fine at this point. So, um, so that, so we didn't do Four Peaks in 2018. 2018, I was riding the old course along okay. Salt, the Salt River. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, and now in 2021, right? Yeah, 2021, I rode Four Peaks. Um, okay. But that was, I already, re- I, I had just resupplied in Apache Junction at the Boshes. Okay. But we're, um, we're generally, we're still in 2018 right now because uh, yeah. this is the third race of your 28th year. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had done the Salt Rivers and I actually rode... <laughs> I rode my bike into Superior because I was going to quit. And I just went to the Circle K wow. after Picket Post. Yeah. That's, a, that's like way hard. miles off the course is that. That's a commitment to quitting at that point. Yeah, it was like four or so. And I rode to the Circle K and I got like a pop. I had a Mountain Dew and some Powerade nice. and a couple of roller hot dogs. And I was like, well, I really, I'm like, well, obviously I'm not racing. Um, and I might as well just go on. It's not like I had anything else to do. Plus I was like, I knew that it would be cooler once I got onto the plateau. Mm-hmm. So I ended up biking back to the course and then carried on. Um, and then did a proper resupply at, um, that Basha's was still the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you do all that Jacob's crosscut. That was all the same. And then it was the Apache road. Um, all the way up to the Teddy Roosevelt dam, and then you ride the pavement all the way to Jake's Corner, and then that's where you're back on the um, you're back on the the AZT court. It's like the same again. So Four Peaks for 2021 reconnects back at um, Jake's Corner. Okay, and then the course is. Roughly the same there, all the way to Payson, and then 
um, or at least my memory of it. It's like all the way the same to Payson and then you hop um, the High Line. I think it's the High Line Trail and you hop up onto the plateau and then you're riding the same AZT through much of that. And I think it's all the same there. I mean, they've done a bunch of stuff on like Babbitt Ranch and whatnot. Um, but then after the canyon, um, now the race is on the single track off, off of the rim. Because because he moved it to the canyon. fall and the snow's because gone the on the north rim, then you're able to ride the actual AZT after the north rim. Is that correct? Correct, yep. Okay. And it and in 2018 you wouldn't have done that. You would have been riding um the road. The road and uh this is the springtime so you you know that's closed that road section's closed or whatever on the north after the north rim. Um but at this point you must be what 12 days in or something like that. Um yeah, I think I think by the time I uh, got to Flagstaff, honestly, I think it was at like fourteen days. I love that. That's great. <laughs> it was good. I was just chilling. Um, so, and that's where uh, Scott uh, Morris had texted me actually, um, and he's like, "Hey, I, the Kaibab Forest." Um, the Coconino and the Kaibab National Forest had both been closed due to fires. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was getting ready to do the Tour Divide. So I ended up just taking a bus to Boise and from went to Boise. Yes, from Flag to Boise. And then I did uh, So you stopped, you stopped your run in Flag. I stopped my run and flag that year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's uh, that's majority. Um, so you're, you're okay there. Let's but, see. But the route also, I forgot. It does change around flag. It used to go into the city, um, and now it goes around like Elden Mountain. So you cross the interstate, and you're, I think, more on the east side of a flag than the route went more into like the heart of flag. I remember you could go to the REI. Oh, right. Um, and Flagstaff before. And now on the but current 850, what's your, um, what's your resupply? Um, in Flag, we went off course to a Conoco, like a mile down the road, maybe. And that's the current resupply. If you're racing for, for an FKT, are you going to that Conoco? Is that critical? Um, I see. I think I can't remember now okay. there's really so little resupply um but like now mine's all sucky because I ended up you know chilling with Johnny um so we didn't really care how we we stopped more than we would have if I was racing are you we talking 2021 2021 yeah yeah okay um so can, can I just put a little bow on this according to yeah. you know that you got the four peaks edition. I'm just trying to sh- shape up what is the difference between the old 750 and the new 850. Yeah, it's, it's a hundred more miles. Obviously, you add a four peaks, yeah. which is huge, and yep. then you have kind of like little do's and dads. Would you say on average it would be like a day or a day and a half uh, extra riding uh, one to the other, or would two days more accurately describe it? I think probably 
depending on the athlete, like a day and a half to five days um, <laughs> longer. Okay. You know, if I'm like thinking about Kurt riding it, I think it would take him like a day and a half or so more to do all the extra stuff. Yep. Maybe a day. I don't know. He is really strong. <laughs> um, but then like the resupply and the all the other things like i think it could be upwards of five days longer and when is your fastest run on the azt uh my fastest official run on the azt was this year uh, around 2020 um one with 15 days okay 15 days um i just i'm very interested because i've never ridden the uh the new 850 and yeah. I don't know, right now everyone's talking about FKTs on the Arizona trail. And yeah. I, I keep thinking in my mind, well, Kurt Refsnyder's done the, the 750 in just over six days. Yeah. Yeah. That... I mean, I think, I bet Kurt could do it in a week. And I mean, Justin's time, really the large part that was different, different between Justin's eight day finish and the current course is like the single track at the top, which, you know, would add, even if we were like being ridiculous, say add 12 hours onto Justin's time, which it would absolutely 100% not take him that long, mm -hmm. but Justin would have an eight and a half day finish on it. So on the 850 it, on the 850 on a single speed. Right. Yeah. I just like, I don't know. We, People are talking about FKTs now and uh, obviously there's Kurt's finish. There's Justin's. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of older times that are extremely strong. So if you talk about nine days on the new 850 or nine and a half or whatever, that's that's tough, no doubt. But there, the old 750 times are much more stout than that. That's like you know you're talking about two days faster, something from a, a hypothetical two days faster time from Kurt Refsnyder. So I don't know. Yeah. I just I, I felt like. Uh, People were kind of missing the whole like, oh, FKT, FKT is like, eh, well, the, you know, it's I on, mean, a, I on a fresh course, you know, on, on a, if no one else had written before you, you know. Yeah, and I agree. And like, I personally tend to think there's like two different, there's like FKTs, which I don't know, like I get them and I get that people really care. And like FKTs to me are just so ego driven um it's like you know i i always struggle with stuff like that it's like fkt like i'm the fastest person to ever have done this mm -hmm. but you know and i think there's a huge difference between fkt fkts and race wins um you know like when you're winning a race it's about your relationship to the community and to the people and you're all doing this together and you agree to set out at the same time in the same conditions and you know, you do as much leveling out as you can. Right. Um, and then FKTs are like totally a different thing. It's like you pick the best weather window that you could and you set out to do it during the best time of the year. You know, mm -hmm. not to say that it's not hard to like drive yourself and whatnot, but I like, I struggled with this even this year. So I did a ITT of the AZT 300 and I went southbound and rode the Lemon Drop, um, which is like all the trail on the north side of Mount Lemon, um, instead of riding the paved highway down. So I rode 
the lemon so you, drop down. You you ride up Oracle Ridge or ride walk. I I walked <laughs> I walked up Oracle Ridge. And in Summerhaven, you basically you get out there, you take a right, and you go to Summerhaven, and then you climb out of Summerhaven all the way to the top of the ski resort. Is that what you're talking about? No. So I rode out of Summerhaven, and then I took Sunset. Um, I hiked up Sunset Trail, which is not to Aspen Draw. Um, so I rode Sunset, and then I popped popped back out onto. Uh, I took Butterfly Trail, which is largely unrideable. And I was planning. I wanted to. Um, you get to the top of Oracle Ridge, and then you descend actually down the Control Road, and then you take Crystal Springs Trail. Um, to connect it with Butterfly Trail. And that's like the official AZT bypass. It, there's like literally blazes that say AZT Wilderness Bypass wow, starting at okay. Crystal Springs all the way through. So like and there why is hasn't a John trail. Schilling added that? Why is that not? Well, I mean, it's been brought up in the community a few times. And, you know, the race goes northbound. So by doing that, you know, people are essentially walking a lot. I mean... They're like, it's too hard, essentially is what it was. is like, it's too hard to ride that trail. So now uh-huh. it's just the paved trail, which actually doesn't make sense to me, considering that we carry our bikes on our backs across the Grand Canyon. Like, mm, it's too hard to walk the 20 miles uh, of the lemon drop, but whatever, you know. <laughs> if you want to ride the paved highway. I And I just, like, didn't know that that existed really until – the last couple years um so i decided that i was going to ride it and you know make a statement be like you can do this it's not impossible so i ride can i just uh, can i just say that all of this like extra riding and uh tougher it comes from your clan and i love it Uh, every time i (laughs) like hear you guys like (laughs) oh we're just we're gonna all ride single speeds and you, Justin Dubois, Ben Hainis, yeah. um, Connor, yeah. you know, yep. that crew is just like, how can we make this just a little harder and then shit on everyone else? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I'm so, I don't know what I would do without all my homies. Like I've found my best, best friends through ultra racing. And at the end of the day, you know, they know me, they like really know me and they really love me. And it keeps me accountable even if I like don't want to stay accountable like dude my homies would tease me for this or my homies would give me shit for this and that's like what we do for each other is just like keep each other in check I don't know Um, if I went and rode the AZT I guess I'd have to push my bike out the lemon drop just out of fear of your guys's crew being like oh shell He's soft. Like, oh, you're a pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. What did you like, e-bike? Get I mean, here. now that, yeah, now that we all know, now it's like <clears throat> this thing. So Justin rode last year, he rode as much of the lemon drop as he could, but Green Mountain was closed. But Green Mountain was open this year, so I did. Oh, and I added Butterfly on because we discovered Butterfly. So crossover from Sunset. I got, I got I'm a little it. bit in the weeds on all of those trails because, I don't know, I've ridden – a few of like the Hundo Mungo and some stuff around there, but I don't oh, know every yeah. single trail name and everything. But uh, anyway, no, suffice and... to say that that adding on your southbound 300, you've added quite a bit on Mount Lemon at this point. Yeah, I would say it was like eight plus hours of added um, 
riding. Like I could ride down the highway in about 20 minutes and it took me eight hours to get off Mount Lemon. <clears throat> and you, you, um, you have left southbound from picket post on this attempt? Yep. I, I started at picket post and then, okay. um, yeah, got up there and did the eight hours. Um, and then reconnected at Molino and then you do the Molino hike a bike over yep. back and then to Bayota and then, <clears throat> all of that stuff through um, like off of Mount Lemon through the Santa Rita's and then you get back up. And then I also this year added, there's like this section, it's Casablanca slash LPLR and there's a bunch of new trail going in back there, um, which essentially added, I think uh, added about another four hours. It's dirt roads and trail and you pretty much cut out all of the, paved highway i didn't ride on the paved highway at all okay that's pretty good um that's pretty cool like out by by the sonoida highway so it's and it's amazing trail it's just like so new and there was a little bit of route finding because there's like a half a mile of trail that's not built okay um and i had toured back there earlier uh this winter and i was like oh so i'm gonna add that into the race also to your so, personal race to my personal itt uh, to so, alexander's the race director of alexander's race yes i did and i mean i talked to john i told john Schilling beforehand i was like hey john i'm gonna ride the lemon drop and uh, do the lpr section just to like give him a heads up and let him know that i was like I knew what I was doing. I didn't really care if he put me on the results or whatever. Um, but he's like, no, totally go do it. Well, cause I told him actually, I was like, Oh, I just heard that you changed the course. Cause they had that Casablanca LPLR section. And then Scott Morris wrote it and he's like, eh, there's a gate you have to climb and yada, yada. So he's like, I don't want all these people doing it. Um, even though it's totally legal to climb the gate. Okay. But then I was like, yeah, I loved it back there. And John Schilling's like, then ride it. It's cool. Like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to, Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to add that, like I'm going to try, they're going to try and put it on the course anyway. So like whatever, you know, if I think about like flexing or records or whatever, like in a year, it's going to be different again. So yeah. like, why not try to do the most up to date route that I could? Yeah. 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 No, that's, I mean, um, that's highly commendable. That's cool. So you, how did it go? How did your 300 attempt go? I mean, humbling. So I had actually done another 300 attempt like two weeks before that or something. And I got trapped in a snowstorm on Mount Lemmon with like practically just underwear on. Um, (laughs) So I ended up quitting that time back in uh, Hope Camp area, like just as soon as you get off the trail um, outside of Tucson. So I quit in Hope Camp and... I was like, okay, I'm going to wait until the weather's a little bit better and try again. So I waited around until, um, I think it was like April 10th or something. I went out. Did you go and back to like Cochise feel- and you're just hanging there or what? No, I was in Sedona. <clears throat> I was in Sedona. Um, okay. I had a thing in Sedona that I had to go do. So then I came back and was feeling okay. Uh, I was feeling more fit the first time I went out because I had been touring for like a week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny and I re- parked our car down south and then toured up to Picket Post. And then we were going to race back down 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then we got caught in the snowstorm and quit. And uh, Justin rescued us, actually. He came, he drove all the way from Cochise and picked us up. <laughs> Sweet. Girl. And uh, I know we're like, we're riding back to our car. He's like, do you just want to ride? I was like, yes. <laughs> so he came and got us uh, like a big brother does. Um, and I was feeling okay, though. Like, not as fast as I was the first time. I was like an hour behind my split pretty much all the way until I got to Oracle Ridge. And I was like, okay, well, it's not going the way I wanted to, but I was trying really hard. And then um, my fucking pedal bearings seized up outside of Hope Camp. Um, And I ended up having to wait around. Uh, I was, you know, I had two options. I was like, either wait for the bike shop to open or call Johnny. And I was like, either I wait for the bike shop and then, you know, spend like 200 bucks to get to the bike shop, buy new pedals and get back to the course. Yep. Or, um, call my partner who was like an hour away and, um, bring me a pedal. So, I ended up calling Johnny. I texted John Schilling. I was like, hey, I just got, um, I have to relegate myself. I just got support. So I just want to let you know, but I'm still going to finish. Uh-huh. But it meant that I had to wait around for eight hours um, or so until Johnny woke up and even saw my message. <laughs> uh, and then he texted me and he's like, okay, well, I'll get everything ready and I'll drive there. And he was there like, you know, in two hours. Where was that again? He woke up. Uh, Hope Camp, like, after... So, remember, I'm going southbound, so I rode all this old Spanish trail, and then you're going right into the trail again. Um, as soon as I started that trail, back there, um, like, Loma Linda Road. Okay. And th- that's, like, the coldest part of the course, too. Um, this time I brought a sleep kit, Last time I did not bring a sleeve kit. So at least I was like warm um, back there. And I was really bummed that I had to quit. Uh, but again, you know, these races are so hard and so much has to go right to have a have a good finish. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I texted John Schilling. I'm like, hey, I'm quitting. I'm going to keep going. But uh, just to let you know, I got help. And he's like, dude, thanks for telling me. Good luck. And then I rode all the way to the finish. Pretty much I didn't sleep the rest of the time. And what kind of time and, is that? Um, I finished, I was like 3.20, I think, or three three twenty or 3.22 it took me to do the um, AZT 300 uh, with all the extra stuff I added on there and okay. the pedal braking. And then, so you, let's see, if you had a clean run, what do you think? You you trim like eight hours off of that or something? I think if I had a clean run, I could probably take like 10 hours off. But I'm like, I don't really, I'm like, I don't know if I could get much faster than, yeah, like 308. I don't know. That Yeah, that's great. Like, I just, I like comparing it to other times on the 300 um, with the old route, like, um, does Caitlin Boyle have like a two day on, on like the old 300? 
I think her record is like 50, 51 hours. So just maybe? over two days. I think so. But you, you will, so. you'll never know because you're always going to be riding way farther and stupider stuff than anyone else with those times. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, even if I rode the same course that Kate did, I don't even know. I, I don't think that I could touch that record. I, d- um, I don't think so. Maybe, I don't think I could either. I mean, those. Yeah. It's like so super badass. Um, and like, so my fastest was 219. Um, That's stout. That's hard. Uh, but yeah, that and that was the women's single speed record, and I I did that twenty twenty one spring of twenty twenty one, I think. Okay. Um, and that, I mean, I could maybe take a few hours off of that, but I don't really think I could go. How many? Too much faster. How many times did you ride the AZT in twenty twenty one? Uh, I rode the. 300 and the 800 so twice and then this year i wrote it like fucking i wrote the 300 like four times or something stupid five times we just like pretty much spent most of our winter riding back and forth on it what so i i know that you just mentioned two of them this year where you you toured up to picket post rode back down to lemon oh, yeah. snowed out went got picked up and then went back up to picket post and then did another one in which you have a finish with an asterisk. Um, yep. But then you just so told we me tour- you had we three up. other we... attempts on the AZT 300 this year. No, it wasn't like racing. We were just like playing on it. So we'd ride chunks of it. We got there for a few days, ride chunks of it. Um, we just spent a lot of time on the AZT, but not racing or competing. We were training to have stout time okay okay Kyle, you guys are great that <laughs> i think what was i doing I mean, in the spring you know i mean I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like you know i met the love of my life uh on the trail and i've learned you know i've just had such a long intimate history with it and i just love the act so much um and yeah. you know learning that there's more trail to connect more road sections Really, all we have to do on the 300 is get rid of that old Spanish trail section, which I, like, I was texting Scott Morris. I'm like, how do we get rid of that? He's like, get the national park to let us ride trails. Dude, I that's like the only place I've ever ridden trail in a national park is Saguaro down there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, yeah, where like else that. have you ridden your bike in a national park? Nowhere. Nowhere. They don't let you. Uh huh. And that was was that Scott Morris? Did he get that through? Did he like? I think I think he. It must a lot be. Of that trail I mean, too. yeah, he's done so much for that trail. Yeah, I remember so uh, when I was fun. racing the maybe my second time on the AZT. Um, yeah. Scott Morris and Esther were out there just camping, and they're like, "Shell, oh, cool. oh, awesome!" And they bumped into me, and then um, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna ride with you for a second. And I was like great this is fun you know grandpa azt right here and so <laughs> i um i'm riding along and i remember i think it was in saguaro it was it was near there it was outside of tucson or whatever and um i'm riding along and i'm like man this trail is like really good something is like extra special about it and i was like scott what this trail is awesome who built it and he was like oh i did 
I, I cut this trail. And I was like, of course you did. You made the route. You cut the trail we're on. And now, and now you're behind me just like having a good time. It was, he's a, he is a cool character for sure. And all that, I mean, all that is AZT, a lot of it, we have the Scott to thank really. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, God, and I've still never met Scott and we have corresponded over email, like, you know, for six or seven years now. Just like, mm-hmm. It's been really cool. One of these days, I'll actually get to meet him. Yeah, he is he's a, a good dude. He's a great character. He's really a nice dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really, um, I really like him. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to, like, write down a little resume. You are totally, like, I'm d- destroying my organization here because all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, we've been out. We did three more AZT 300s, kind of, whatever. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to 2018, and uh, let's not get into the weeds on how much harder you can make the AZT for yourself, because that seems to be a theme here. Um, AZT, 14 days, you have a flag DNF, you hop onto a bus, and you go up to where? Idaho? What's your next race in 2018? Eight of, of age 28. Eight of age 28. My next race after the AZT was... Um, the tour divide 2018 tour divide. Yep. So I just hung out in Boise for, I don't know, like a week. I had met a a really cool guy, Russ during the smoke and fire, which was over my birthday weekend, the year I turned 28. So that was fall and that was before the marathon or the ACT. Yep. Um, so I hung out in Boise for a little bit, um, just training, riding some hard trails and touring we did like a three or four day overnighter russ and i in uh boise area and then i took a bus to whitefish and then i rode from whitefish to the start of the tour divide okay can i can i ask another question here um yeah in all of these tales i haven't heard of uh any time that you've made any money, how, how do you, how are you going to do eight races in 2018 with no money? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, well, I was living in Tucson and working at whole foods during the winter. So okay. I just like took off. So when I went to Boise smoke and fire, I took a week off of work. Um, and then I was going to school and living in Tucson and I was working at, the banner hospital and at whole foods and going to school, just like saving up enough money so that I could take the whole summer off of work. Okay. Okay. Um, and I just was, I quit. So then I quit my jobs and then I just went out on bike tour, um, and rode my bike until I ran out of money. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. So we got, uh, you're in Boise, but you're, you're aiming for the tour divide and that's going to be early June here. So then yep. how, do, how do you get up there? What's that all look like? Yeah. So I took a bus to Whitefish. Um, you can also take the train or maybe I took a train. I can't remember. It's, I've taken the train to Whitefish and I've taken the bus to Whitefish okay. before. Okay. Um, and, uh, rode from Whitefish uh, up to the start of the tour divide on the divide or on roads or what? Uh, on the divide route, I think the whole, or I took the, 
I rode the divide route for some of it, and then I started running out of time. So at the border crossing, I rode um, just the road all the way until you get to the section that goes like the back way to Banff. Okay. Yep. Because it's fast. It's faster to go that way. Okay. Okay. And so you make it. Um, you make it by the Grand Depart. You stay at the Y. Make some friends. You're. I mean, celebrity status at this point. Oh, in 2018, though, like nobody knew who I was. So I actually didn't stay at the Y because all the rooms were booked and I didn't plan and I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I stayed at like Hostel International, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, And I just like, I was there, didn't really know anybody at all, didn't know anything about the race. I mean, I knew about the race. I tried to ITT it in 2017, but uh, it didn't go well. TD 2017 TD ITT DNF. Yes. And that was where? How far did you make it? Uh, to Whitefish. Okay. Oh, well, that's a hard year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I I had ridden my bike from Tucson though. I rode from Tucson to Banff and then started on my way back down. On a on a road tour or on the divide? Uh on a different kind of tour. It was like the most epic tour of my entire life. I was like um I had gone with a guy and I fell in love and we like made our own route. We followed paper maps and we hopped on the divide during the race. Okay. Was um, that, so that's 2017, a crazy northbound, you turn around for the Grand Depart and make it to Whitefish? Well, the plan was to do the Grand Depart, but um, like I said, I fell in love and we spent an extra month uh, playing. Okay. Like on bike tour going northbound or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, but you finally do get to Banff, turn around, and you're hustling, and you make it to Whitefish and crack? Yeah, it was like, I didn't rebuild my bike. I didn't do anything, really. Um, and just ran out of money. I had, like, 70 bucks, and I was like, well, I'll just eat peanut butter and tortillas the whole way. Dude, but, dude the classic. Um, this is classic, Alexandra. I'll just I'll just <laughs> get some crypto, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it'll be fine. I, you know, and then the reality of it. I was like, I actually, I remember I ran into this guy, um, Peter, uh, fuck, I can't remember his last name, Peter, anyways, Peter. And I had like decided that I would wear this, like, <laughs> um, this is in 2017 again. I had bought like a dress from the Goodwill and a train conductor's hat. <laughs> so that was going to be my outfit. And he and I, run into each other at like Bolton trading post. And he's like, I saw your bike. Are you the person riding the divide? And I was like, yeah, he's like, Oh, me too. And we rode together for like half of the day. And then I got my period and bled all over my khaki skirt. (laughs) And I was like, I have to stop. And so I stopped and he kept going and then I kept trying to catch him. And then, just never caught him and melted down. And then Whitefish was like where um, Andrew and I had split paths. So then I got to Whitefish and then I ended up just like 
buying a bottle of wine and got drunk and then cried and then quit. <laughs> but so that's a big that's a big summer. You're Tucson to BAM to Whitefish. Yeah. Wow. That's that's another that's a giant tour. Had, was that one of your first bike tours or had you been riding a bunch before two, 2017? Um, I had been riding a bunch. I started bike touring I think in 2012. Ooh, okay. Um okay. but then I rode the I rode the divide my first time in 2015 like as a tour. Okay. 2015 tour divide. Okay. And how'd that one go? Did you did you uh have some sort of did you ride in a month or two months or what? Oh, we toured it. I rode northbound and it took us like almost 50 days, 45 or 50 days or something. Which is that's that's still not dawdling cuz I mean it no, if it takes you two months, that's some, 50 like, miles a day. Days. You know, that's still a, that's tough. Yeah, no, it was good. And we had some rest days and like we were touring. We were like super touring for mm-hmm. sure in our mind. We never rode at night. Um, but it was definitely the hardest thing I'd ever done at that point. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to circle back to early days, but I've lost Tour yeah. Divide 2018. Yeah. Um, yes. And that you've gotten up to Banff, you've, you've stayed at the hostel and you're ready to roll. Yeah. And really like the only thing I was like, I have to finish because my quitting, like the year I quit the 2017 quit was like the most disappointed I'd been in myself in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I really didn't you quit for You're not a chumba reason. athlete at this point, so what are you riding? Um, 2017, I was on a Krampus. By 2018, I had bought my first chumba. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And so you were doing all so this I was on, on, a, your, on your steel chumba. Yeah, and I had I was a, their Rastro, which was a like hardtail trail bike, um, 27.5. Okay. I bought it because I wanted to be – I wanted to – get good at like the Arizona trail and the Colorado trail. What color was that bike? Orange. Yeah. I've seen it. I remember when I bumped into you yeah. and you had that flat tire. I remember your orange bike. Oh yeah. 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 I totally forgot that that, uh, that was you. In fact, I didn't know that was you. Yeah. No, I've told you since and you're like, no, I still, that's fine. <laughs> that's still not you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We never met. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tour divide. Um, how'd it go? Uh, this is 2018. You prepped ready. Everything seems to be in line. Yeah. Uh, 2018 Tour Divide was wet. And I won women's, the women's field somehow. I have no idea. Number one woman. And what was your finishing time? 23 days. That's stout. That's fast. I was twice as fast as I toured it, uh, which was like insane to me. I mean, I like that's more than a hundred a day. That's more than a hundred miles was, of of hard gravel riding per day. Yeah, on uh, was that an FKT trail bike <laughs> at that point? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, it's not far off. I mean, what the FKT at that point in twenty eighteen? Shoot, it was still fifteen. 15 days, I think. Oh, Lale set the uh, FKT 
What was Lale's for whatever that course was? It was 15 days. Um, she did that in 2015, which was the same year I toured it. Okay, okay, okay. Which okay. I think she that year she officially I think she won the Grand Depart that year with a time of 19 days, and then went out and did it again, if I'm correct, okay. and then set a faster time. But the course has changed since then too. Also. Okay. So you're, um, any, any memorable stories from that tour divide 23 days? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of great stuff. I meant I had, I rode with a lot of really cool dudes and Oh, maybe my coolest story is like on Brasso's Ridge. My, I had busted a spoke early on, but my wheel was still riding fine. So I taped it, but mm-hmm. um, it came on tape. So half of the spoke like jammed into my cassette. I was riding gears back then too. Um, a spoke jammed into my cassette and it couldn't spin anymore and it was seizing up. Um, and the only way I could get it out was like if I took my cassette off but I didn't have a cassette tool so I like pouted thought I had to quit went to go eat some peanut butter I always tell anybody if they think they're gonna quit like just stop and eat some food mm-hmm. so I ate some food and I looked at my spork and I was like oh maybe I like jammed my spork in the cassette and like managed to get the cassette lock ring off and pulled my cassette off and got the spoke out and was back on the road again, but it still took, it took me like, that was like four and a half or five hours. Dude, like, that is so boss. Did you, after you pulled your, uh, cassette off, did you then eat more peanut butter with that spork or? <laughs> no, I think I just got going cause I was really happy to be going. But then like five miles later, I ran into this group of women that had been waiting for me. Um, and they totally like fed me a sandwich or something. <laughs> I was like, you don't even know how they're like, yeah, we wondered what was taking you so long. (laughs) (laughs) I was taking my cassette out with a spork. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I was like the most, that was probably the coolest mechanical repair I'd ever done. I was like, I had no idea how I was going to get that spoke out. I tried with pliers. I tried everything. I tried like lacing some paracord through it and pulling it out, like all sorts of stuff. But the spork was the game changer. Congratulations. All right. So you got 23-day finish. You're down at Antelope Wells. And then what? You have four more races this year. Yeah. So down in Antelope Wells, I uh, my roommate in Tucson came and picked me up. And that was super awesome. Um, and then my next race was, I think it was, oh, I did a canoe race um, in Wisconsin, I think. Okay. I had like I had kind of ran out of money, so I used to be a nanny. So I reached out to like my nanny family, and uh, they gave me some gig work for a couple weeks. And in that time, I did a canoe race. That this is Minnesota season. or, or uh, Tucson? Uh, the canoe race was in Minnesota. But the the nanny family. The nanny family is in Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. So you do a canoe race. What's up with that? Uh, it was just like trying something different, you know? Okay. Um, I thought 
it would be fun. I don't know. I got invited. Somebody let me use their canoe. It's a 15 mile canoe race. That sounds and cool. I think it was last place. <laughs> like easily last place. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I finished, uh, but definitely sucked. And how many days of canoeing? I like got past. Huh? How many days of canoeing? How big is this race? Oh, it was just one. It was just one day of canoeing. Okay. Okay. Um, kind of a disaster. <laughs> but whatever. I finished. It was fun. Cool. I got to hang out on the water. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Colorado Trail was next. Okay, CT 2018. 2018. Okay. And uh, how'd that go? Better than I expected. I had never ridden the Colorado Trail, so I didn't really know what it was about. Um, and there were there were four pretty strong, okay, three other pretty strong ladies. Um, it was Lee Bo. Um, Ashley Carelock and Liz Sampy. And I was just like, you know, riding, trying to go forward. It was the hard, it was so hard. I knew it would be hard because of how hard the AZT was, but I don't think I knew how the altitude would affect me so much. Um, Where are you going, so northbound or southbound? This year was a Denver start. Okay. Okay. That year, 2018, was a Denver start. Because the other way is, <laughs> is way gnarlier, especially if you're not ready for I know. the Durango stuff. Sure. I know. Um, it just got harder and harder every day, the CTR. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And it's your first time um, on the CT? That was my very first time. Yeah. And I mean, it gets, I just it gets hard because it's, it's bikepack racing, which is already hard. But then you, you add this, like, you, you're just, how, why am I so tired? Why you know why is this? Like, yes. Yeah. You yeah, can't sure. breathe. You can't pedal, and mm -hmm. it just you know, especially once you hit Highway 50, it just like it's harder and harder and harder all the way until you get to Durango. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how did that um, go for you? So I was just pressing along. I ended up finishing second, lady, about an hour and a half after it, Ashley Carelock. Um which like I was definitely trying hard, but I wasn't really aware of racing. Like I thought I was fighting for fourth place most of the time. Like I knew Ashley and Liz were up ahead of us. Um, but I was like yo-yoing back and forth with Lee Bo. And um, I melted down a couple of times. There's this one time like right by highway 50 where I was like, I need to quit. This is like so hard. And I sat in the bushes eating peanut butter again. Um, I don't, I don't even carry peanut butter anymore, but I guess I used to back then. Um, <laughs> it's your secret weapon. Just like, yeah, I was just pouting about how hard it was. And uh, I ended up, Oh, our tech and this guy, Jim from Telluride. Um, Jeez, this dog is going nuts here. Like playing with his ball. Um, sorry, I'm gonna move because he's being insane. Yeah, you're fine. Um. Uh, this oh, is so Highway 50. Fuck. 
yeah, Highway 50, I'm eating the peanut butter yep. and uh, thinking about quitting. And then these two guys come up. And then I realize they say their highs and whatever. And then I realize, like, I was in front of these guys. I'm not that weak. I'm not that much of a loser. Like, I was in front of these fit, skinny guys. And <laughs> Story of your life. Like, I should not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I shouldn't quit. And they, like, pedal off and. Um, I like catch up to them and Artek hands me a weed gummy. I think that might've been the first time I ever had a weed gummy during a race, but I like ate that. And, um, I was like, no matter what I do, just like, don't leave these guys. Don't let them go. <laughs> so I just like chased them up fooses and we all kind of, we camped at like eight o'clock. And we ate supper together and talked and told stories. And, like, I think we didn't get up to, like, six in the morning. There was, like, six of us or five of us up there. And that was, like, super special and friendship building. And yeah, I don't know. It was really fun. So it was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not racing. I'm not racing. I'm just, like, going to go forward. I slept way too long to be a contender for the win. Um, and just kind of started to have a little bit more fun. Like I stopped and I had a beer here and I had a beer there and I had a beer there. Um, chilled a little bit. And I, I rode with this guy, Jim for a while. And he was like pointing out, like we'd stop every few hours and he'd like point out this and we'd take a little break and he'd point out that cause he was a local and all the meanwhile, uh, Lee would end up crashing and having to go get stitches. Um, so she uh, dropped out from the race. And then uh, that was the year Liz Sampy's wheel blew up and she would drop out from the race. So all of a sudden I was like the second place woman and had no idea. And I didn't have a smartphone back then. So I couldn't even pay attention to track leaders. Um and then I like ended up finishing an hour and a half after Ashley, which was like insane to me. I was like, maybe I could be good at this. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like the moment where I was like, okay, I need to start trying a little bit harder. That was the moment after you won the tour divide. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. I feel like the tour divide was like, it just, I don't know how that happened. That didn't feel very real. <laughs> I I mean, I I understand to a point, but uh, you know, you hustled twenty three days, and uh, that's that's stout. I mean, but I yeah, I totally get it. So you you say to yourself, "Wow, I I came in number two. You know, I had like I can do better than that. I could have won the CT as well. So yeah, I could. You know, I'm like a contender. Yeah, it kind of put like a thirst. Uh, in me that I didn't really know that I had because I had never been an athlete. I'm air quoting. I never had been an athlete before. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, didn't ever consider myself that I was an athlete. I just liked riding my bike. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I got two more races of 2018. So the CT... Number two, congratulations. And then... Thank you. Yep. The, and then I did this race 
um, in so Michigan that's like, called that's Demar- like July or something. CT CTR. Yeah, it's the end of July, early August. Yep. Okay. And and then in uh, early September, I had this race called the Margie Gessick. Okay. Um, and it's a hundred mile race in Ishpeming, Michigan. Okay. And I can't remember even how I found out about it, but the word Ishpeming is an Ojibwe word. Um, that means like high up or heaven or up in the sky or just up um, at the top of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then Margie Gessick is an Ojibwe name. So I was like, huh, this is really interesting. I think maybe I should go and do this race. And they say, like, I had heard rumors of it being like the hardest day race, uh, one of the hardest day races ever. And it is 12,000 feet of climbing and 100 miles, except it's, I don't think any of the climbs are more than 50 feet maybe like a hundred, maybe 100 foot climb, but it's like so punchy and in the wet, humid forest of um, Michigan. Wow. Okay. What's the, what's the race called again? Margie Gessick, M-A-R-J-I, then space G-E-S-I-C-K. Margie Gessick. And how, and it's a one day, it's like a hundred miler or what? Yeah, it's a hundred miles. And if you finish in 12 hours or less, you get a belt buckle and there's like, I don't know how many people have finished in 12 hours or less, but I was like, I'm going to finish in 12 hours. And I did not finish in 12 hours. <laughs> no buckle. <laughs> no buckle. No woman has ever gotten a buckle. Is it, is that on your calendar still? Is that something that's still, um, I am trying to do it this year. I mean, I became really good friends with the race director. His name's Todd Poquette. He's a super awesome guy. Okay. Um, and I loved, I mean, I did that race. It took me 17 hours. I think I came in fifth, uh, number five for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and day racing is definitely not my strength, but I tried and I had fun. Um, I've done and it's something like, like that. The most, I've, uh, you did? Uh, I, did, I obviously didn't go to that race, but um, someone invited uh-huh. me to ride the Matahe. And oh yeah, and my you know my experience had been totally bike touring and then ultra racing, and the Matahe uh-huh. was, I think it was uh, just over a hundred, maybe one hundred fifteen or something. And the yeah. guy that was kind of inviting me out was like, "Oh yeah, you'll you'll my you're my ringer. You're gonna you're gonna kill it." And uh, I just I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Really, kind of like I can do this. This you know, I'm like I could I could compete. And so for the first 50 miles, I think I came into the middle aid station, maybe like 30 minutes behind. uh, There's a couple pros that had showed up and then maybe one other person, maybe I was in like third place and I was, I was crushing it. I was really, yeah. And that that was 50 miles of a hundred miler and (laughs) at, at like mile 60 explode, just totally I'm just coming apart, walking everything. I'm just crumbling. And then my chain breaks and I, I, I laid down and I was like, thank God I am done with that. (laughs) So I ended up, I was just out of my mind. I ended up trying to like push in links when I had like a quick link in my hand. I'm still trying to like push links together. I get it built. I breaks again and I wait again. And I, I think I finished in like 16 or 17 hours. Um, oh my but God. it was a major ass kicker that race too, like Michigan, 
people don't realize if you're in Colorado or Tour Divide or anything like that, you're going to spend a long time along a draw and then you're going over a mountain pass and then you're a long time in a valley. And so in the Midwest, like this Badlands, man, they were two, 300 footers forever. And I would guess that Matahe has more vert than almost anything out there. And I, I don't know about this Michigan race, but as far as one day goes, that was an ass kicker. It was hot as hell. You know, it was yeah. no, no, nothing out there. The one thing that saved you is doing the race had aid stations. And so that was like, oh my God. Yeah. What a lifesaver, especially that third one for me after I'd cracked, you know, I had a couple yeah. cokes and, but that year they, I was like the last person to leave aid station three and then they closed it and took everyone off course <laughs> because Medora ran out of ambulances. It was so hot. So many people dehydrated. And as soon as Medora oh dispatches like two of their ambulances, they're like, we're done. You can't, you can't have any more support from us. So they ended up oh calling God. the race. But um, anyway, it just brought to mind because you talk about hard Midwest races that Matahe. If you ever get a chance, it's awesome. Even just driving through there and riding Matahe, so remote, really pretty and easy to navigate. They, they like make sure that they have enough blazes out on the prairie there yeah. that you can follow along. But I highly recommend it. Really cool route. I've been out there a couple times and did that race once. And um, ever since then, I always think, yeah, this would be cool. It's always in August, which is like it's super yeah. hot out there. But that's when the, the Missouri is lowest and you can ford it. So that's kind of the thinking oh, okay. of the race. Yeah. I always wondered why it was in August. I worked in the Badlands. Um, or I did Montana Conservation Corps, and we had a contract in the Badlands for a couple of weeks. And I was like, there's no way I would ever come here to ride my bike in August. Yeah, that, that's partially true. And, and honestly, it's those aid stations. Like if you were trying to yeah. solo, and I don't know, they have more races now than when I did it, but now they have like a 150 yeah. or some more of like solo bikepacking stuff and like, I just remember yeah. on everything I had to finish in that one day for that hundred mile. That was tough, but anyway, I get yeah, it. Lots of like, Midwest people don't yeah. quite get it unless yeah. you experience it. But tw- you have a. I'm glad. I'm always like trying to be like, but it's different than Colorado. It was just so punchy and so hard. Yeah. Yep. So you have a 16 hour finish. You're the number fifth fifth finisher, something 17. like that. 17 hour finish 17 okay thank you yeah um, yes um so this is number seven of eight races at, in in uh, 28 years of life number seven yep and the very last one um was the smoke and fire again but they had moved it up a week so i still fit that race into a calendar year wow so the last one was i had wanted to see what would happen if I spent a whole year trying at this thing? And I went, I was the the third to last place finisher, the first smoke and fire. And then I went on to win the women's field and get my, uh, I think I finished 11th. I was going for my top or for a top 10, but I think I finished 11th overall. Wow. Um, but first woman. That's an effort. Congratulations. That's super cool. Thank you. That was maybe that was like my proudest uh, win there. Uh, that smoke and fire race. 
That's and it was like so much of that community too. I never really got to talk much about my first smoke and fire, but I like didn't have any money. I emailed the race director and I was like, Hey, do you know where I can ship my bike to? Um, cause I can't fly with it. And he connected me to somebody who let me ship it to him at his job. And then this guy ended up also picking me up from the airport and then let me sleep on his couch and then drove me to the start of the race, the day of the race. And then I raced and then it took me a lot longer than I thought. Uh, and I ended up (laughs) barely finishing by the time I had to get to the airport. I finished at like three in the morning and my flight was at five. Yo, and I, it was insane. I met some guy during the race, Russ, who we became pretty good friends afterwards, but he's like, well, you can just leave your bike in my yard and I'll ship it to you. So he wrote his number on a paper napkin and I took a taxi to this address and just rolled my bike in the backyard. And I was like, well, I hope this is his house and I hope he mails it to me. (laughs) Um, It was just like the most amount of help I got from a community. Everybody helped me so much and I had no money and no resources. Um, and so many people made it possible for me to even be able to show up, let alone, uh, finish. Wow. And in fact, my finish is super, my garm, everything died, you know, like I fell apart, everything, I fucked up everything. And I was coming into the last summit before the race finished. And my shit died. And I had no idea the way that you finish the race is you like sign your name on the sheet at the bike shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have time to get to the bike shop. I didn't have any anything. I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't know how to get a taxi. I texted somebody that was like, can you get me a number for a taxi? And she got me a number for the taxi and then like texted me the next morning. And she's like, it was like something like, your signature looks beautiful and sent me a picture of the piece of paper with my name signed on it. So like somebody went and wrote my name on that piece of paper, even though I didn't get to do it. And And this is the first one. Is this the first one or the second one? Yeah, that was the very first one. Okay. okay. You know, when I was just like, I couldn't make it. I was like, I'm not going to make it to the airport if I fuck around trying to find this piece of paper. (laughs) Like I finished two hour turnaround on the airport. (laughs) dude it was fucking insane oh man hey um i have i'm gonna just i got a couple more um questions but i gotta take a pee can you just hang on for a second yeah go nuts yeah (laughs) Uh, are you still there are you gonna talk to me while you're peeing no
Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, you, I sat down with a coffee and now we're a little ways in here, hour 45 <laughs> minutes. So I'm like, man, I, I have a few more questions that I really want to ask him, but I, I, I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, there was a point where I also had to pee, but then I just waited till you talked and then I muted you. <laughs> I, I thought I would. I'm a pro podcaster. I'm just real good. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I. Uh, this is my third one, so I, I. I think I need like a Gatorade bottle or something handy, and I could like get that dialed in. No. All right. Um. Okay. So this is 2018. That's first smoke and fire. Some crazy help. That sounds really cool. And then the last one, you yeah. won it. You know. You yeah. Won. That's that's super cool, and you're very proud of yourself at this point, and. Uh, Wow. Um, okay. I don't want to maybe go into too much more of your race resume, but can I just like yeah. run down what I have written here? Um, yeah. In 2012, you started touring. What did you do in 2012? Yeah. Um, I rode my fixie, my fixed gear bicycle from Madison to the reservation which is in northern Minnesota. Madison to Cloquet. And then, yeah, Madison to Cloquet. And then I rode from Cloquet to Boulder, Colorado. To Boulder through Nebraska or what? Uh, through uh, the Dakota, South Dakota. Rosebud. Yeah. Yep. And then Rosebud. Do, you, do you drop down through like the sand hills to like North Platte or something? Uh, I ended up going through the Dakota through South Dakota and then bounced over to through Wyoming down through Cheyenne down to Boulder okay and that's on a fixie that the whole tour was on a fixie yes and you you probably had some like stick with handkerchief or something off the back something really epic I had a rack uh, that I bolted on and a backpack that I tied on with tubes. I brought an extra tire, you know, that's important to bring. Um, and I had one water bottle. Wow. I didn't, I, I mean, I mean, that's what I started with. I even didn't have a break. I straight fixie. No, I got no front to, break. No front brake. I put a brake on in La Crosse, Wisconsin, because I was like, "This is this hurts." <laughs> this is classic, Alexandra. This is. <laughs> um, just, yeah, I didn't know. Just so, because um, I kind of know some of this, but not really. Um, yeah. You you grew up with an adopted family, and that then you grew up around Madison, somewhere in Wisconsin. There. My no, I grew up with my biological family, but okay. my mother was adopted. Um, so okay. I grew up in a small town near Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, okay. And then you, this that's your first bike tour. You're just like, I got a bike. I'm gonna hit the road. Yeah, it was like I was working for Jimmy John's and I was a bike courier too for this company called Scram Couriers. And I loved the fixie life. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. Has anybody ever ridden their fixie across the country? Because uh, everybody was like, no, that's stupid and you can't do that. And I was like, well, I can. It's the only bike I have. <laughs> that's, 
That's a good one. That's a good first tour. I can, I can just, yeah. I mean, you know, it started to get like when you're in the, a lot of Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Dakota, I pass through towns pretty regularly. Um, by the time I got into Wyoming and I was, she's like, you know, it's, I got to this rest stop and she's like, you know, it's 50 miles before the next place for water. And I had upgraded two water bottles uh, by then. And uh, she's like, you're going to die if you don't bring water. And she gave me some duct tape and a bunch of like bottles of water. And I duct taped them to the frame of my bicycle. <laughs> so there's a lot of learning i can just imagine that whole tour was a series of uh duct tape and suffering it was i mean i didn't know that you could get different saddles and i didn't know that you didn't have to ride with 23 cc tires and you're probably like i need to go fast i'm gonna put 100 psi in here yeah i had probably 100 psi yo that sounds brutal it was, and Damn. I didn't know that you could even change out the gearing on your bicycle. I had never changed my cogs on my bicycle. Oh my god! So you're running like a a forty four fourteen or something, seventeen or something. I don't even remember. It was so stupid. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that's 2012. The next one I have is um, basically Tour Divide 2015. What goes on in between 12, 13, um, 14? I just did. I did mostly like tours around the Midwest. I did some tours around Wisconsin. I did this. um, And I don't remember necessarily the years between this, um, but I did a tour around Wisconsin. I did this winter bike tour in Wisconsin, um, which was also a terrible idea. Um, Maybe that was 2014. Um, my best friend and I decided we're doing this winter women in whiskey bike tour and we're going to like bike to all these distilleries and get free whiskey and spend two weeks traveling around Wisconsin, except it was like the very first polar vortex year and it was like negative 40 degrees out Fahrenheit. Um, so it, that was just like trying not to die. What kind of um, bike are you on? Fun. So the first ones you're on this fixie. What kind of bikes are you riding uh, between that and like your Chumba and your Krampus, let's say? Uh, I had my fixie for a long time, and then I bought a fairly rat ride one by one, okay. six inch wheel, single speed, super sick bike. Tried to learn mountain biking, sucked at mountain biking because I couldn't ride single speed on the mountains. Well, um, probably a rigid bike so too. I, that's re- I think that's really hard. It was. It, I just like didn't have the fitness to ride single speed. I was like going out on these group rides with uh, a bunch of people who weren't really accommodating to a newbie bike rider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not anything against them. I was just like trying to hang and I couldn't hang. Well, I can imagine a shop ride in Madison's going to be kind of like a throwdown too. That's a bike town, you know. I mean, especially if it's yeah, a mountain bike it, ride. Yeah, all the guys, it was like it was the shop revolution and, you know, they're all really, really nice dudes, but they all rode bikes way more than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, rode mountain bikes way more than I did. Sure. Um, so I ended up selling that bike and got a surly Krampus. Yep. Um, and that's 
what I was riding until I got the chumba. I only got the chumba because my Krampus got stolen and I had renter's insurance and got money from that to buy a new bike. Okay. And so you rode that chumba and all that 2018 stuff. And then, um, yep. uh, when do you, when do they pick you up as a rider? And then are you, have you been riding like the same Thai chumbas since or? Uh, chumba, they hooked me up. So I bought my first bike and they're like, Oh, we had no idea how cool you were. And I was like, I didn't know I was cool either. <laughs> um, so I'm also surprised by this. Um, and then they gave me a Stella. They built me a Stella, which is their tie hardtail so that I could do, cause I told them I wanted to try the single seat again. Uh, uh, in 2019, my, I was trying to, I was doing themes for my life for a long time. So 2019 or 2019 was like a year of racing on a, a 29 er single speed. What, what did you race in 2019? Um, uh, I did Colorado trail tour divide and I can't remember what else. I think I did more stuff. But and this was on oh, the tie. This is on the tie chumba. Yeah. Okay. The tie chumba. I DNF'd uh, 2019 AZT 300. How are your results on the CT and TD that year? Uh, I won the women's overall TD uh, in 2019, despite some really fucky weather. Um, but I won the overall women's on my single speed. And then I also won the overall women's on my single speed for the Colorado trail with the 601 finish, my fastest Colorado trail finish. That's pretty good. And you beat all other women on course. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let me just, can I just go through this real quickly here? In 2012, you do this ridiculous fixie tour from Madison to Cloquet to Boulder. Nuts. Yeah. There's a whiskey women... Uh, winter tour that sounds ridiculous and terrible Um, and then you've done a bunch more tours around the Midwest Wisconsin area and then in 2015 you realize your dream and ride the tour divide yep okay I have a blank in 2016 but I'm like I'm almost (laughs) I'm getting I'm getting tired of like all of these (laughs) races and tours you just it's a cool history so 2016, yeah. am I missing anything crazy there? Nothing crazy. Uh, I moved. Well, that was the year I moved out west. So I was just doing a bunch. I wasn't racing or competing. I just did okay. like bikepacking trips. Okay. And then in 2017, you ride um, from Tucson to Banff back to Whitefish. Quite the tour. Yep. Um, in 2018, that's 2018 your 28th year of life eight eight rides yeah. um 2019 you win the ct you win the tour divide you dnf the azt 2020 yep. you race i have colorado trail written here um yeah that was the only that was uh all the grand departs were canceled so i just itt'd the colorado trail how'd that go for you uh it was okay um i Justin and I were going to do a yo-yo together. And then 
uh, a bunch of shit went down in his family and he had to quit. And, um, he's, he's my best friend, brother. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. he's become my family over the years. So, um, that really shook me seeing somebody go through some hard stuff. Mm -hmm. So I still finished my one, my one way. Um, is that the year that the Strem keys yo-yoed? Yeah, so I had invited this friend. I've been dreaming up a yo-yo. I tried to yo-yo in 2018, um, but deviated from the course. Um, I cut out Sergeant's Mesa and um, Mount Chavano. I still rode all the way back to Denver, but um, I tried to yo-yo. I was planning on yo-yoing, and then I just didn't. Um, so it'd been a dream of mine for a few years. So then I invited the Shremkeys and Justin to all do it. And the Shremkeys finished and I quit. <laughs> Those fucking assholes. Well, you, you've made friends with like the strongest riders that are out there. So I know <laughs> you got to expect, you got to expect, oh. <laughs> Uh, I know. I love the Strunkies so much, but they're still assholes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that's a that's a partial yo-yo of the CT in 2020. Um, 2021, I have an AZT here. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay, that was an AZT 750. 2021 was the 800. 800. How'd that go for you? Uh, it was fine. Uh, it took me 15 days. Oh, I did. I won the women's Colorado trail in 2021 too. And the CT number one. Okay. I think I've written CT. How many times have you won the CT? Uh, I've won it three times. I think that is so badass. I have won the CT zero times. <laughs> pretty that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's rad. So 2021, no, I have wait, an easy... Wait, no, hold on, hold on. Let me think. It might only be... I can't remember. Well, I'm not fact-checking here. It's impressive. I, yeah, I don't remember. It's at least two or three times. Okay. Okay, so that's uh, an AZT 800. And how did you come out on the 800? Uh... <laughs> Uh, I set a women's single speed record. I set the overall single speed record. <laughs> at what? That's a joke. That's a joke. At 15 days. Oh, oh, nice. Um, well, I remember originally definitely- when I was riding AZT, I got a hold of Scott Morris because I had I had set the record at nine days on the 750, and uh, uh-huh. I got a hold of Scott Morris and I was like, "Hey, did, is that an official record? I think it is." And he goes, "Oh, I don't keep track of single speeds." And I was like, <laughs> damn it, Scott. I'll never FKT Thanks. anything in my life. And uh, and he, he was like, yeah, we don't keep track. And I was like, okay. That is so funny. John Schilling does. Yeah, no. Uh, I think, so then Jeff Hemper, or uh, yeah, uh, Frico from Rico, Hemperly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He took it at eight and a half days the next year. And I was so happy about that because yeah. it was cool. And I kind of followed his ride. And then he also didn't blow it up. Eight and a half days on the 750 is doable. I was like, oh, I, you know, I could get back out there. And then um, yeah. I think the next person to throw down would have been Justin. 
And then that, his ride is almost out of touch for me. I'm not like riding eight days flat on the 850. It's not like, it's not going to happen for me. But um, no, that was like a stout, badass, yeah, legendary ride that nobody really acknowledged at all. No, no. <laughs> and yeah, so I, but he did, he, he took an asterisk. Like he, he had the hub help. So he took an asterisk on that ride. Is that right? Yeah. And he, and he's like super honest and transparent about all of that, where he like tried to find a mobile bike shop. Um, but like, as far as I'm concerned, it was all in the spirit of the race. Like, and I mean, that's the thing about all of this FKT shit and all of this other stuff. Like really it's about our relationship to each other. And like, we know, like it's kind of unspoken, right? Like we know when somebody does something good and we all have our integrity. So I trust my people enough to be like, you know, they, anybody who did anything bad or whatnot, they would say something or if it was against the rules, they'd be honest about it because it's like a fucking dope group of people. It's mm -hmm. a dope community. It's a bunch of badasses. Nobody is trying to like cheat and steal these things. But yeah. it is about relationships. So when people's egos get too big, we fucking see it. Everybody sees it. It's not a secret. So, mm -hmm. um, I think you know. I think that's a I, good uh, a good barometer, especially within this community. You can tell the style in which every anyone's doing something, you know. And um, I I know if Justin's out there, he's riding extra, and um, you know telling everyone when he gets help with his hub or whatever. So that's, um, yeah. um, anyway, yeah, I just, Oh, uh, can I rewind to some early days? You, um, yeah, you're known as a, someone who rides in steel toed boots. Cause you used to be a welder. What, who, yeah. what were you, who are you welding for? And what, what is your welding career like? Uh, so I really, I was working as a bike mechanic, um, Madison. and that was maybe, yeah, in Madison, that was maybe like 2013 or 2014. I decided I wanted to go to welding school cause I wanted to be a bike builder. And like, my dream was to be a welder at Moots. You know, I was like, I'm going to learn how to weld steel and titanium and become this badass welder chick because I wanted to stay in the bike industry but I was like so fucking tired of being so poor like bike messenger barely paid mm -hmm. bike mechanic I started making nine dollars an hour mm -hmm. you know I was like not making any money I'm tired of being poor uh I am still super poor <laughs> but um <laughs> I thought that I would you know get rich building bike brains so then after Good I graduated welding plan. school yeah, I thought it was great. Foolproof, in fact. Mm -hmm. um, and then was applying for welding jobs and realized that it was really hard to get a welding job. Um, and I would like to put Alex on my application so people thought that I was a boy instead of a girl. Uh -huh. um, and I still, like, the only welding jobs I could get were, like, um, you know, just MIG welding like pooping on metal jobs, which yep. I didn't want, but I was like, okay, I get it. You have to work your way up. Um, I ended up getting a job working for this. Um, he was like a scientist. He had his own, uh, 
like he did a bunch of CNC machining stuff too. And he hired me to like be his welder slash CNC button pusher okay. and like, you know, deburr stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, Oh, actually like, I think I could make a lot of money if I become a machinist who also welds. Okay. And I signed up for the tool and die program and started learning how to like do CNC work and machining work. Um, and then uh, was still working for that guy and was trying to get jobs at other places, but no other places. I, I soon realized that if I wanted to keep riding bikes, like taking my summers off, which I did want to do, um, nobody was going to hire me. Mm-hmm. So my machining welding career was only like two years long. Um, and I was just doing like one-off jobs, like welding certain things, installing certain things. Um, you got the boots, like, you got the footwear. I had the footwear. I had a really cool, like mechanics outfit. <laughs> Important. But I just like really, I, like I, I just was deburring all the time and grinding all the time. Those are the only jobs I could get. And I just never stuck it out long enough to get um, an actual job where somebody would like teach me more welding tricks. You know, I was like welding every day and I was pretty good at it and practicing. Did you have a cert? Did you get certified in anything? I don't know. Welding's all about certifications, right? Yeah. And I did get, I was like four, I don't even remember like four G, you know, where we like ha- had to do a bunch of, uh, weld tests and then break the welds and then do overhead and mm-hmm. like all that shit. And I could braze and I could weld and it just what didn't work. It didn't work. It was like the crowd of people didn't work. The work was so boring and mundane. And that was just, I think it was, I didn't stick with it long enough. Um, I could have definitely tried harder, moved, or I don't even know what it was, but I was getting shitty, stupid welding jobs, welding gigs. I'd work for like a week. Uh, I tried this like, uh, it was like a wrought iron fence company hired me. And literally all I did for a week was grind. And I was like, I'm not going to do this. And it was like all these dudes that just like, were sexist and smoked cigarettes all day and i was like this is boring i hate it yeah i had a i had a mig welding job in high school and it was for a hockey boards a company that built hockey (laughs) uh arena hockey rinks and so you're welding welding all those frames and i thought you know i was stoked i was in high school and i was welding i wasn't very good but um but i just remember the environment was terrible it was just like a lot of angry dudes who just didn't have any time for like anything other than like being angry in classic rock. It was, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it was not a good environment. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, like I had a good enough time in welding school. Like I rode my bike to school every day and everybody was like, Oh, this weird chick. And I like, there is something about like, I come from a super blue collar family. My dad is a millwright and, a factory worker. My mom worked at Stoughton trailers and built trailers. And like, there's that certain group of people. Like I love my blue collar redneck people. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. tend to get along with them pretty okay. But like at the end of the day, I was like, 
I was a vegetarian biking everywhere and they all like teased me in a loving way. We all got along just fine, but I, there's only so much of a lifestyle I could pretend to have. Sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I just, just wanted like, to get some background on the boots. Yeah. So I'm glad we got that. That's sort of. Yeah. Done. It was just like the boots I had to buy for welding. And then they just ended up being like the most, the best shoe. And then it's really hilarious because I wore them for like two years and still to this day, people are like, did you wear, like, why didn't you wear your boots? I Can like, I just say oh. that that's the most Midwest sentence? Oh, I bought the boots and I couldn't get the shoe or they're just my shoes. They're just the only shoes I had. Um, they're like the best shoes I had. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so. funny. I I really, I've always appreciated your style. And I think a lot of times bike packing and these bike pack races, at least outwardly facing apart for what they mean to you is, is yeah. the style and always you've chosen single speeds, extra distance, steel toed <laughs> boots. I mean, everything about what you do is like pretty inspiring and like high style, like really. And so when you say it's not about FKTs, it's about this group of people looking at what you're doing and either extending respect or not. And everything that we've talked about here is just like, wow, you have my respect. I really, um, I really am a, I'm like a lot of people, I'm a big fan and I appreciate all of that style. And as stupid as I think as steel toed boots are, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> style. Uh, it is. Style is all that matter. I mean, the more I did it too, the more, um, <laughs> I mean, racing. Yeah. Then, no, it's style, dude. And then also you, have you been off of social media your entire life? What, what's, cause I know you, you know, you don't have an Instagram account, you don't have this right. and that. So t tell me about how that works as well as trying to Peter Pan around as a semi pro pro bike racer. Um, so like, how does, <laughs> how does that work for you? Yeah, uh, I did get, so I had an Instagram account when I moved to Tucson in 2016 Okay. And I got that because I was really homesick, actually. And people were like, oh, it's a really great way to connect with your friends. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So I started it. And I, like, went around and found a bunch of my friends from back home and made new friends. And I was like, oh, it's a great way to, like, maybe help people get to know me better. <clears throat> um, and really what it did was make me hate myself more. Okay. Um, I would like find myself looking at all the cool things people were doing. And like, I remember I was remembering that I had these big goals, but I was like working full time and going to school and, you know, would maybe squeeze out one or two rides a week other than like my commuting or whatever. And I was just like, Oh, these people had time to do this and they're so much better than me. And it just really made me feel bad about myself, comparing myself to other people's lives. And then also like, I wanted people to get to know me, but like there was no way that I felt comfortable trying to tell people how to perceive me. Um, and I just, de I deleted it. I was like, this makes, this actually makes my life feel worse than better. And I got rid of it and um, have never had it since. And 
never want it. And in fact, think that social media causes a lot of our problems and disconnect instead of like, you know, everybody's like, Oh, it's so great to stay connected. But really, I don't think it makes people more connected at all. So, um, I just stayed off of it and it's been hard in some extent, you know, having to some extent, um, where certain brands will say that they will sponsor me if I just get my social media and I have to say thank you, but also no, because I don't believe in it. So, so Chumba, Chumba is definitely on board. I mean, they've supported you with bikes and they're happy with, um, with, with basically the return on it being, associated with this extreme badass it sounds you know um who else uh who else are you supported by i am super fortunate to have so many cool sponsors um and these people i like i'm very upfront about not wanting to do that i'm very explicit and upfront about not having social media and not willing to do it at all um uh, so Chumba, that was a conversation super early and they're like, okay, sounds good. And this is before any of the wins or anything, but Chumba, um, industry nine, also my, I would say they're my other biggest partner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty amazing and they never have asked me to be on social media against my expression of not wanting to and they've like we just actually filmed a project together so i'm like i'll work on these bigger projects but i will not do social media so chumba industry nine uh big agnes smart wall um there's a small bike shop in green bay called broken spoke and he george um really helps me out with like all the odds and ends like if i need uh rotors or a race entry or he helps me with travel sometimes not all the time but sometimes if it's like to a race in the midwest or if i ask him and is most um, of this gear like you you mentioned like smart wall bigger companies most of the gear some yeah some support it's what are they all what gear they? okay i only um get paid a little bit of money from one company um but everything else is gear or sometimes like Chumba will reimburse me if I say, Hey, I want to go to this event and don't have money for the hotel mm-hmm. or something. But okay. mostly everything is gear uh, to do all this stuff. And then the money is, doesn't exist. Do you really. find it, Do you find that part of, of your, air quotes career frustrating do you like do you like plugging in and and being associated with these companies and getting support or if you could just live a straight dirtbag existence and uh live off your crypto earnings would you do that instead (laughs) um no so far i like what i have going on these um a lot of my i I call them partners because I really feel like they're not so much enabling me to do this, but we're like working together to create these bigger things, you know, like, and I have projects in the works with almost all of these people, but it's just like slow to unfold. Um, 
and they have bigger, they have big platforms and customer bases uh, that allow me to talk about, like, I love racing. Really, I do. But really, like, I care so much more about um, telling the story of Native America and really, like, whatever platform I've gotten through this racing stuff is, like, I spent a whole life silent and nobody want to listen to me and now people want to listen to me and all i want to do is talk about indians Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um these these people with bigger networks and whatnot allow me to be able to reach more people and do it you know and i don't know why i don't know why i care maybe it's like to avenge my mom's life or to like let people know that a lot of people started off way behind the starting line, so to speak, or yeah. I don't know. I just have this understanding of America as it exists now that is much different than the America I was told about or the America that many people know. And a lot of people have really different realities than the ones that I see in mainstream society. Um, what, uh, current projects are you working on? I I know you were back in Minnesota with your tribe, um, and you're going to be working on a farm there and you also do some, uh, kind of like bike pack outreach with young ladies, maybe in your community. Tell me more about what you have going on in Cloquet or otherwise. So, um, Last year, I was really working on getting this nonprofit started on my reservation that was like rooted in creating kind of like a gear barn of sorts, like increasing access to outdoor recreating equipment. It's kind of been put on pause um, just because I've been really uh, financially unstable in my own life. And it's really hard to work on giving back to other people when you like can't really afford anything. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I kind of am like just stopping to work on making my own life okay before I can make anybody else's life okay. But mm-hmm. I do see a future for that. I still have some stuff. I still got some bikes and whatnot that are around my community. And I was helping a bunch of other people learn how to mount or a bunch of women on my res learn how to bike last year. And this year I got a grant, um, to work on, I want to create, I don't know, it was just an idea, but like working on creating an indigenous food bar or an indigenous camp meal, like with food that we grew on the reservation and or harvested. Um, so that's why I'm back here is kind of working on farming and um, harvesting food and being around my culture and community. So what's the setup? Are you working on someone else's farm or do you have a little plot that you kind of developed and then uh, living in the F-150 and ready to go or what's your, what's going on up there? Yeah. So our, our reservation, um, our tribe owns a farm and they, we have this program, it's called the producer training program. And I was a member last year where I get access to an eighth of an acre plot on our tribe's farm um to grow food so um there's like last year there were like 30 different community members who were growing food organic food on the 
the reservation farmland. Okay. What do you have on your eighth? What's going on in your eighth acre? Uh, this year we are growing um, the three sisters, so corn, beans, and squash. Mm-hmm. And potatoes and kale are the only things we're growing this year. Okay. That's enough. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping to make like 500 or so camp meals. Um, I'll harvest wild rice in the fall. And oh, thank you for that. You left us some squash and wild rice, and I'm just recalling it. That I, uh... Oh, yes, I did. I grew both of those. Well, I grew the squash and harvested the rice. Yeah, um, fantastic. The wild rice... The... What's the process there? Is there like a machine <laughs> that takes husk off or what? Because you're like, oh, there's husk on this yes. rice. And so, like you said, all your friends hate it. And I was like, I, I mean, I got through it. I thought it was pretty delicious. But so is butter. That is, so that's like maybe part of it. But Yeah, that's hilarious. Well, so this year I partnered up with uh, I-9 to make a thresher, which is a machine that builds um, industry nine, my, one of my sponsors, uh, this machine that will take the hulls off of the rice, but, um, it didn't quite work yet. We have to do some tweaks to it. So, um, all of the hulls didn't come off and the rice that you got were like, mm, there's like probably 30% uh, of the hulls on there, which are just like fibrous fibery <laughs> like make you cough kind of yeah well what's the deal there isn't that doesn't this machine already exist how how are you in 2021 like making a bespoke like rice dehusker like what is going on there well they kind of they kind of do so we also had a motor powered one on the res but what it, it would beat the rice up so bad that the hulls um are like if you wanted all the hulls off yeah. That it would all get broken and having like broken rice is just so sad. It'd be like mushy or something. Um, no, it's just like we call it mazan. It's like uh, soup rice. So if you're making soup, then that's the rice you, you would use. Okay, okay, okay. Um, or like old time Indians used to just, you just dance on you dance it. Okay. Um, so you like wear your moccasins and dance and it kind of grinds all the holes off. But, um, I, so I had a bunch of rice and the rice that I gave you, I was like, oh, you have to cl finish cleaning it. And I thought it would be a thing that people would do, but, uh, I've stopped giving out that rice because apparently people don't clean it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I thought the process was. I, I'm no complaints here. I thought it was delicious. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, no I, I mean, I just like. In my own house, like in our truck, we just like sit there, Johnny and I, and we'll like spend a half an hour taking all the holes off by hand. And then we touch all the rice and it's just like more of a, like it's a date night thing. Like, oh, let's have rice. Oh, let's hold the rice. And then we cook it. So it just adds more time and intention around more it. style points. That's, that's the, uh... yeah, that's what I, I'm pretending it's about like being intentional and stuff. And it's mostly just because all the machines that I had were breaking the rice and I didn't want to break it. <laughs> Hauling your and own it's really, rice are, actually, is like the steel toed boots of ultra racing. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's punk as fuck. Uh, um, okay, are, are you, so you have call. that, do you have that farming thing going and then you have kind of paused, um, some of your, the ladies outreach on your res, 
Um, yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like enough. Yeah. Well, I like, I quit all my formal jobs and now I'm trying to race bikes slash write about stuff. Like I miss writing I miss creating art. So I'm kind of just, I'm living off my savings right now. And I, and I see that you've, you talked about a couple of projects maybe with I nine or whoever else. Um, yeah. and I know yeah. you've written a few things like for the Radivist, for instance, um, do yeah. you have any specific projects that you can, you can let us in on? Um, well, I'm, I worked on a film last year with I nine. It's just a short little 15 or 20 minute film. And we're releasing that at, um, unbound in a few weeks um so we're showing we're showing it we're having an event and we're showing it at the theater in emporia um so i'm hoping you know i really wanted to like release it in real person instead of just on the internet so um i can give a little context to the video so we'll have that event and then I'm working on a bigger project with um, Corey Rich. He's a filmmaker. Um, and then just some writing projects. And I've been having more conversations with a few different partners. And I haven't signed any contracts yet because it's really important for me to, like, know before I say yes. Mm-hmm. So You're smart. there's a lot of different th- – yeah, there's a lot of different things up in the air. And I'm just trying to be really careful about – who and what um, I say yes to because, you know, with money comes expectation. expectation. So I just want to make sure we're all on the same page before anything changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had one more question here and I don't know if it's a fantastic one, but it is a question. Um, I have an old friend here in Silver City. His name's Dave. And... I think he was telling me a story. He's like, oh, I uh, I saw this black girl in town and she had a fully loaded bike and she's riding Divide. And I was just so impressed by her being out there and just seeing someone other than a white guy on a bike riding Divide. And I was like, yeah, 100%. And then I said, well, what'd you do? You know, what'd you do for her? And he goes, I couldn't do anything. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He said... I didn't want to be the guy, you know, giving a handout or something like that. So, you know, I was like, well, that seems that's it. That seems to be a little bit of a missed opportunity, you know, because you have these barriers that we've created, I guess. And I know in a lot of Mike bike touring days, I mean, someone hands me a 20. What a heartwarming thing. Like what a cool yeah. and fun thing. So, I, you know coming as a native american woman who's done a bike a lot of bike touring and and puts herself out there what situations frustrate you and what situations warm your heart and if if you're a white guy in silver city how do you like best show your support um, for some of these things especially if you see a rider or something like that what what seems threatening and and overstepping and annoying and what seems like uh, heartwarming and appropriate for something like that uh, I think of my favorite interactions, it's like, you know, it's different when you're racing too versus just touring. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm touring, I, 
love when people ask me questions about what I'm doing or where I'm from and then tell me stuff about themselves. I've been so, I've had so many amazing experiences where people have like invited me into their homes and given me a place to sleep. And um, I've just, I don't know. I've never had a bad experience yet. Um, And usually, you know, like as the writer, you like trust your gut. And if something feels wrong, it probably is wrong. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've had so many kind experiences from people asking me what to do or offering to buy me lunch or just giving me like a gift card or I've had people give me cash or all sorts of stuff. And I'm always grateful for that. I never, I personally never feel like it's a handout uh, or something they're doing for feeling bad. I love when people come up and talk to me and ask, especially if I'm traveling alone, because I'm like probably lonely. Um, (laughs) You're probably broke, hungry and thirsty. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's like, usually in those situations they're not great uh if you do have money like you can either offer them a place to stay or offer to put them up in a hotel room or something that's like super treat like, mm-hmm. you know and it might take some convincing or just being like well i got you a hotel room and then right hope that they take it or not mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you know just do the do a just treat people like you'd want to be treated. Like put yourself in those situations and be like, Oh, if I was, you know, riding my bike by myself for a long time, I might want a cookie or (laughs) a cookie. (laughs) Uh, Or if, you know, if you try to talk and they're not very responsive or whatnot, just like if you're at a restaurant with them and like, just buy them a pop or a, something to go and leave it with nothing like more mm-hmm. and maybe that'll butter them up so that they're more comfortable with the next person that tries to offer just sure. like do nice things and say nice things sure don't do those things where like i can't believe you're out here all by yourself or i can't be- i've never seen a black person or oh, a native sure. like don't do that shit uh-huh. um don't like uh compliment them on just being a human like they just happen to have a different background it's not you know it's not this thing where you should be like you're a black woman out here all by yourself i'm just so impressed like Mm -hmm. that shit pisses me off yeah Yeah, yeah. um i'm just doing impressive human shit (laughs) yeah i'm just like a human and granted a lot of us start out at different spaces like I uh, can be white passing in a lot of situations. So I'm privileged in that sense. Uh-huh. Um, or at least ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And black people don't have that same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're more vulnerable in that sense of, you know, in certain areas that they're biking. But um, it's still amazing as any uh, that anybody can get out we all have different resources and we're all differently resourced mm-hmm. that just like talk to them about what they're doing or relate to them i think sure that that's uh, i mean uh, i think that's a great 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 answer great advice um 
Anything that we've missed? Anything that you're doing that is a part or any any other races you want to talk about coming up or I don't think so. I feel like we've talked forever. Um <laughs> well, for the whole life. Yeah, we I mean so much catching up to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm always interested in people's like race history, so I'm happy to get into the weeds and like talk about that for too long. And uh yeah, know, quite I, the race history, so that here we are at two and a half hours, no biggie. Yeah, and I like that. I love that too, being able to remember how it all got started and why I get to be the person that I am today. It's fun to talk about because you know, like I don't think I wasn't thinking about the smoke and fire for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it is it's all super special. I don't know. Um, Colorado Trail and Arizona Trail are both on my docket. Okay, so you've only you've only year. done the three hundred five times this year. So you think you want to just do a little bit more AZT? Yes, I, it's all in preparation. The AZ, I'm hoping that I can actually, you know, try to throw down a fast time this year. Um, I, of course, am adding the lemon drop, though, and the Casablanca section. So, you know, not going to get any FKTs, but <laughs> uh, I plan on doing those things in that style. It's the style that matters. Plus, like, yeah, no, it's just the style. So AZT is like the big, big one. Colorado Trail is also a, an important ride to me. Are you going to go Grand Depart Colorado Trail, you think? Yeah, I'll be Grand Depart for both of them. Okay. How about Jolly? Is he getting out there? Yeah. And, you know, we actually have learned a lot. And it's really, I love him so much, but I don't want to see him on the race. Mm-hmm. I just can't see him. It changes me. Um, so we tried our IT, our first ITT. We tried together, and once you know, I caught him because we ride practically the same space pace. And as soon as I caught him, I knew my race was over. So for the Colorado Trail, I think he's going to start a couple days before the Grand Depart, um, so that we don't ride together. Okay, and then. Um, for the AZT, I'm going. I'm riding southbound, and he's going to go northbound with the Grand Depart. Okay. Um, so yeah, this fall when you're down, uh, don't be a stranger. Come come back over to Silver. We'd love to have you. I know. Yeah, we were planning on coming through. We just like ran out of time uh, on our way back up north. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I never fault anyone for being a little busy. It's no problem. But uh, I always love to run into you. Um, yeah, it's so funny how. Uh, um, Johnny is like such a big shell fanboy. It's so funny. He like told me the story of how he tried to like come meet up or like meet you or something when he was touring through. Oh, that's on his right. Way yeah, I can, you know, <laughs> Silver City is just like a lot of people touring through, and so I can't. I really can't give full attention to everyone, and I I do in my heart, try to not be an asshole. Like, Hey, you have no idea how busy I am, you know, because that's not the case necessarily, but you know, I get a message, Hey, this is so-and-so I'm touring, you know, it's like, (laughs) Oh, okay. You know, there, there's a hostel. Can I give you the number, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and I feel bad about that because I've toured my whole life as well. And like, I've been so in such good grace. And so, um, sometimes that's, that's a tough thing for me is like, just the volume, especially, 
you got bike tours, but vanners. I mean, people just are through silver. Yeah. And I'm yes, like just yeah. at the right level of celebrity where no one would consider the fact that I might be busy. And then also, <laughs> they, they just, I'm very accessible. And that's cool. Yeah. But that is, sometimes it's just like too much. This is like, you know, multiple visits a day or something. And you're like, all right. So when he's, I'm sure I was like, had a million things going. And then he's like, hey, I'm a guy that is riding bikes. You know, I'm like, you. all right, all right. I get, you know. But uh, of course, he's a special human, so I always like. No, I just that story is so funny, and then I think your response—you're like, as much as I tried to avoid you, look at you now. Now you're friends. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally. love it. So, so I always, I always tease him. Like whenever you text, I'm like, Shell texted me. <laughs> Shell's calling me. <laughs> he's like, he's not as much of a fanboy now because you're normal people, but um, it's still always funny. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Anytime, anytime, come back through. Um, we'll be watching you on the CT and the AZT this fall. Um, best of luck there and everything else you're doing. Um, and thanks yeah. for coming on. I, I think, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it myself. And if people enjoyed it half as much as me, then, then it'll be a success. So thanks. Then it's a win. Yeah. Thanks. So I'll talk to you later. Okay. See you Alex. Later. Bye. Bye.